Welcome to Nimmin Live, the number one place on the internet to learn about YouTube, network with other content creators, and have an awesome time doing it. My name is Nick, and today I'm answering your YouTube questions. So if you have a question about what it is that you are doing on YouTube, there is a form that is down in the description of this stream right now where you can get your questions in there so we can get them answered on the stream today. I also wanna let you know, if you are somebody that is watching this on the replay, this entire stream is driven by the questions that people ask during the stream. So because of that, there's all kinds of great information that's gonna be shared during the stream today. So we've added timestamps to these streams for, for the replays. So feel free to skip around and find the content that you know resonates the most with you or answers the questions that you have. And in addition to that, I wanna let everybody know that this stream is, ooh, that was close, I almost ended the broadcast. <laughs> I wanna let everybody know that this stream is brought to you by TubeBuddy, which is the number one tool for YouTube content creators. It helps people helps you optimize your videos for discovery, helps you test your thumbnails so you can make sure that the thumbnails that you're making are the most effective for the places that you're trying to get traffic from on YouTube. In addition to that, TubeBuddy has 90 different features. A lot of people think that it's just for keywords or just for tagging and things like that. But in reality, there's 90 different features that'll help with your help with your YouTube channel. You can try that out at TubeBuddy.com slash Nimmin. I got a link to that down in the description below. Um, but if you just go to TubeBuddy.com slash Nimmin. If you decide to upgrade later, um, then that will, um, you know, hook me up. But if you use this link right here, if you're a newer content creator, you'll also get a discount because you have a smaller channel and they're trying to hook you up and, you know, get you moving. Um, in addition to that, this stream is co-brought to you by StreamYard, which is the live streaming platform that I use to live stream this every single Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern. So if you are watching this on the replay, feel free to, or I encourage you actually, or invite you to come and join us um, next Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern. But the reason that I use StreamYard is because it's easy. Um, it's super easy for me to bring on guests. It's easy for me to keep the stream open if I have problems. It's easy to add graphics to the screen like you can see right here. Um, and just all the way around, it's just a non-complicated piece of live streaming tech that I can use to ensure that my live streams go up, everything's strong, everything looks good, and um, and that you know I can even go to multiple platforms if I want to. Today is actually one of the few times that I'm not going to multiple platforms. Normally I do. Um, but in addition to that, like right now, like it's, it's raining slash storming here where I am um, just a little bit. It was pretty strong here just a little bit ago. So what I went ahead and did is I went and I got my phone. It's already hooked up, it's ready to rock and roll. So in the event that the stream goes down, StreamYard is going to hold my stream open for me. And that's going to allow me to be able to access StreamYard on my phone. Even if everything else is down, if I have no electricity, no power, my computer crashes, all that stuff, I'll still be able to come in and just keep everything going on my phone. So I'm just doing that as a little, a little pre thing because that's happened, you know, during these live streams in the past. So um, you can try StreamYard out at StreamYard.com. And in addition to that, I do want to let you know that if you are a TubeSpanner user, which, you know, of course you should be using TubeSpanner if you're a content creator, but if you're a TubeSpanner user and you're a StreamYard user, there is an integration um, between the two that I'm going to be mentioning on the StreamYard channel this coming weekend, or not this coming weekend, this coming Tuesday. Um, so I encourage you to join me over there so you can see how that integration is going to benefit you and your workflow as it relates to, you know, using TubeSpanner with um, StreamYard to get your live streams up and, you know, put everything together that you need to put together as part of the process for getting everything scheduled. So with all that out of the way, 
I hope everybody's having a fantastic week. I hope you're excited to, uh, you know, listen to the information today. Um, I really encourage you, if this is your first time here, you know, make sure you subscribe because we talk about all things YouTube here on this channel. I keep people up to date with all the different things that are happening in the world of YouTube as it relates to content creators. And I teach people about all the things that you need to know about YouTube in terms of the information tools and resources that you need um, to help you succeed here on the platform. So I encourage you to subscribe if you are new here. And um, with all that out of the way, I also want to let you know that um, we do have a free music service for YouTube content creators as well. While we're getting this whole thing ramped up, just, you know, getting all this out of the way as people are coming in. But um, we also have a free music service for YouTube content creators, um, where if you want to stream us in the background of your live streams, you can do that at creatormix.com slash stream, um, or you can download the music and use it in your videos, podcasts, courses, you know, anything like that. But you can find all of that over at creatormix.com. I'm throwing all kinds of stuff at you today, right? Just, just We're just going ahead and getting it out there. Um, and we're going to go ahead and start getting into the content. So one thing that I do want to let you know is that there's a form. I'm just going to go ahead and drop it right into the description here. D in the house. What's up, D? Hope you're doing awesome, man. Um, but I'm dropping this form right here into the chat right now. This is where you put your questions. So if you have a question, just go ahead and get it in that form right now. We just have a few in there. So if you get your question in there right now, it will get answered on the show today, on the stream today. So I really encourage you to go ahead and get your questions in there. So um, with all of that taken care of now, um, I do encourage you, if you are a TubeSpanner user, go ahead and get your notepad open because there's going to be great information here shared. And again, if this is your first time here, one thing that I do want to let you know is that you should have a notepad of some kind handy. If you're using tube spanner, if you're using just a good old fashioned piece of paper and pencil or pen, um, have some type of notepad ready because again, we share all kinds of information here during the stream. And I want to make sure that you can quickly take note of anything that resonates with you because hearing the stuff, hanging out, all that stuff is great. But in order to actually take the information and start getting results from what it is that you're doing with it, you got to apply it to what it is that you're doing. So if there's anything that I say, that maybe you don't know what those words are yet if you're just somebody that's just getting started. Um, if I talk about, you know, like let's say CTR, audience retention reports, whatever, then just write those things down or take a note on those things so that we can make sure that, um, that you know, you understand the platform. You can look all this stuff up later because you're taking notes so that you can understand the platform that you're, you know, wanting to, you know, operate on or that you are currently operating on. So go ahead and get those notepads out. And if you don't have that notepad yet, um, or you're not familiar with TubeSpanner, you can check that out over at TubeSpanner.com as well. And you can go ahead and just get it installed now. So you can go ahead and take notes during the um, stream today. So with all of that taken care of, I'm going to go ahead and just jump right into the first question today, um, which is, hey, uh, Mr. Deep Sound, thank you for the kind words um, here on the stream. Doug Houston, YT in the house. What's up, man? Shark Scrapper, nice to see you here. Iron Wolf. Good morning. Nice to see you. Neil Urban Van Life. What's up, my man? Hope that you are doing fantastic. He said a sit down, stand up for the win. Totally. Uh, let's see here. Shoalhaven Snake Catchers. Hope that you're doing great. Chantel Hills. Nice to see you in here as well. Jerry Papandria. Hope that you're doing awesome also. So really quick, I just want to mention this um, just in case you did not end up watching my um, stream that I did yesterday um, that keeps you up to date with you know all the changes that are happening on YouTube um, since they're just constantly pushing updates now. One of the things that I just wanted to make sure to bring to everybody's attention, just because he hangs out here sometimes as well, um, is that Renee Ritchie is now YouTube's uh, YouTube li liaison. So he actually represents content creators um, for YouTube, 
which is fantastic. So, um, so you know, for all of you that are hanging out in here that know him from this stream, um, you know, just high five and fist bump to him for uh, for getting that gig. So I just wanted to take a quick moment to um, highlight that and um, and mention that and congratulate him on um, on getting that gig. Um, so our very first question today is from um, Ripzy Drippy, and they upload when they have time, and we're getting into the content now. And the uh, type of channel they have is gaming and gaming challenges, and the goal of the channel is to entertain and hopefully to be a channel that people can relax and watch. And um, the question is, how do you get the viewer to subscribe and like, and how do you get your video to do better, get more clicks and impressions? So this is a great thing to start out with. So when it comes to, a great question to start out with. So when it comes to um, getting people to subscribe, when it comes to getting people to like, when it comes to um, getting your videos to perform better in terms of getting more clicks and impressions and all that, the very first thing that we're gonna that we'll talk about is on the subscribe side. So if somebody subscribes to your YouTube channel or they're watching your video and they get some type of value out of it to where in their brain they think, oh, this is good. I, I, I want more of this, then they're going to hit that subscribe button. Now there are things that you can do to nudge people and they're extremely effective. So anybody that's like, oh, asking people to subscribe isn't effective, don't listen to anything else they say because it's effective. So when you are um, when somebody's watching your videos, right? and they are getting value out of what it is that you're doing, especially if you're making good videos, then in that case, they're they're in the content, right? They're paying attention to the content, they're they're listening or they're watching, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. And if they're not a YouTube content creator, they're not thinking like, oh, I gotta subscribe, I gotta subscribe, should I subscribe to this channel? Should I not subscribe to this channel? They're just having the experience. They're on their phone, you know, maybe in the bathroom or, you know, they're somewhere, you know, um, uh, you know interacting with your video and they're just doing their thing, watching and enjoying the content. So a thing that's extremely effective is to nudge them in some way. Now there's subtle ways that you can do this where you just add graphics to the screen, that sort of thing. But when you do it verbally and you attach a why to it, then you can increase the amount of people subscribing to your channel. But keep in mind, you gotta make sure that you're adding value first before you're, before this works. But basically the approach is when you're asking somebody to subscribe, a lot of content creators will just say, hey, make sure you're subscribed you know, to the channel you know, somewhere at the beginning of the video or whatever. And what you wanna do instead of taking that approach is you want to tell people what value that you bring through your YouTube channel so that they can see why they should subscribe. So for example, let's say that you are teaching people about um, coffee in that particular case, or you're sharing information about your love of coffee or whatever it is, then you could simply say, while you're you know putting the content together somewhere just in a random place in the video, you don't have to stop the entire video to highlight the call to action to subscribe. That's what that's called, a call to action. But basically the idea is, let's say that you're, you're sharing your love of coffee with people. And while you're sharing your love of coffee with people, you are just talking about the beans, Maybe you have a moment where you're at the coffee machine and you're, you know, you're putting the beans in there. Then at that moment in time, and this applies to gaming content, crafting content, like everything. Like as you're doing the content, when you just have a spare moment, just mention, oh, by the way, um, you know, I put out content like this every, you know, whatever your schedule is or every week, you know, depending on how often you upload. Just say, I put out content like this every week. So if you're enjoying this video so far, uh, make sure you subscribe. And by doing that, what you're doing is you're just kind of reinforcing like, hey, my entire channel is, this type of stuff. So if you're enjoying this, you've made it this far in the video, then, you know, then go ahead and subscribe. And by doing that, what you're doing is you're bringing the idea of subscribing or the reminder to subscribe your YouTube channel to the forefront of their mind, and you're increasing the chances of them taking that action. So of course, it all starts with the value that you're bringing and, and the, you know, what they are getting out of your content first, but by adding those calls to action, it can increase the amount um, of people that are subscribing to your YouTube channel. Now, the second part of this question, 
is and tablet pro um hang out for a second because i got something for you too because i saw your question here um before we started the stream and i just want to i just want to mention something to you um really quick also um but basically uh the second part of the question is getting more clicks and impressions so when it comes to getting more impressions that's going to come down to you getting more clicks of course um and it's also going to come down to how people respond to your video content so basically what an impression is if you've never heard that word before let's say you're just getting started on youtube you've never hung out here you've never heard us talk about that before um what an impression is, is an impression is when YouTube shows your thumbnail and title to somebody on the platform. It can be on a mobile device, on a TV, um, on a computer, whatever. Um, but it's when they show your content to somebody on the platform for more than a second. Um, that counts as an impression. So impressions, the way to think about that is that's YouTube showing my content to somebody. So every one impression you have is one page that your content has been fully visible on, okay? Or one, you know, mobile scroll or whatever the thing is. So what you wanna make sure that you're doing is you want to make sure that when YouTube is, when you think that YouTube is not, you know, promoting your content or showing your content to people, the very first step that you got to take is you need to go into your YouTube analytics, which is in the back end of your YouTube channel in your creator studio. You need to go into your YouTube analytics and just look at your impressions tab. And you can look at this channel wide and you can also look at it for each individual video that you publish. And what you do is you go in there and you look to see the amount of impressions that you're getting. And that's going to prove to you that YouTube is showing your content to people. It might be a lot of people. It might be a little bit of people. Um, or a few people, I guess is probably a better way to say that. But the idea is when YouTube is showing your content to people and you can prove that by seeing it inside of your analytics, then the next part of that you know, hurdle is, okay, well, heck, YouTube is showing my content to people, but people aren't clicking on it. So people aren't coming in and watching the videos, which, mean, which means it defaults back on you. So what you have to do is you have to think to yourself, okay, now if YouTube is showing my content to people, but they're not clicking on it, why would they not be clicking on it? Um, is it not clear what this what this is about? Um, am I not helping people identify? Because you know YouTube is showing your content next to a bunch of other videos, or you know in a mobile feed next to a bunch of other content and whatnot. So what you got to think about is one, is it clear to people what this video might be about? Um, is there any type of curiosity gap attached to where if it's not clear to where it makes people think like, oh yeah, I, I, you know, I definitely wanna click into this so I can see exactly what's happening based on something, you know, maybe epic that you're doing in your thumbnail or something like that. But um, you also wanna make sure that you're looking, you know, in, in the thumbnail in that regards in terms of how clear is it? Is it not cluttered? Are the things that I need people to be focused on, are those the things that are prominent in the thumbnail? That's the exercise you wanna run through on the thumbnails. Um, um, but in addition to that, you also want to think, Choppa, what's up, my man? Hope you're doing awesome. Nice to see you in here. But you also need to think about your titles as well, because your thumbnails and your titles work together as a team, right? So you also have to think about, okay, if my thumbnail grabs their attention, what is it about my title that's going to compel somebody to click on what it is that, you know, what it is that I've written in the title? So you have to make sure that you're thinking of it through that lens in terms of, how does my thumbnail help people identify that this is something that they care about? And then with my title, what am I doing there that will com compel somebody to click? And what you need to do if you're trying to increase the response that you're getting with what you're publishing is you just have to think to yourself when you're, when you're putting it all together, okay, what about this thumbnail would help somebody identify it? What about this thumbnail, if the thumbnail was the standalone thing, might compel somebody to click on this? What about my title? would compel somebody to click? Or what about my title is informative enough to where, you know, if, if it's not, you know, super compelling at the very least, it's something that at least gives people the information they need to make a decision on if they wanna watch this video or not. Because the thing is, is when we're publishing content to YouTube, 
the thing that that a lot of content creators um, they don't really know is that when you are publishing content to YouTube, you're not just competing with other people in your niche. You're competing with everybody else on on YouTube that the system thinks that your viewers might also be interested in, right? So because of that, you're competing with all of this great content, new content creators, creators that have been on the platform for a decade, creators that have been on YouTube for you know a year, five years, all that stuff. You're competing with everybody that the system thinks that that your audience or the people that you're trying to reach might be interested in. So because of that, you have to really put that effort into putting your thumbnails and titles together in order to make sure that that everything is clear enough or informative enough or compelling enough for somebody to want to click. And another thing with that is a lot of that just starts at the topic. So, you know, in some cases, like your, your topic can suck, but your thumbnails and titles can be awesome. But if the topic itself sucks, then you're gonna have a negative impact on the amount of people that are clicking through. So you have to make sure that you're putting all of those pieces together. And this is a challenge. You know, that's why we do this live stream every Saturday, because this is a challenge in terms of, you know, unpacking, okay, how do I get people to, you know, identify that my content is something that they care about? How do I compel people to click things like that? So, um, so you got to make sure that you're digging into these things that you're identifying, you know, those um, issues that you're having, but you also have to make sure that you're being intentional and defining all aspects of it. That's why it's so important to research a little bit before you decide to make a video so you can see at least loosely, is there some type of, you know, interest around this topic that I'm going to be talking about? Because, you know, you can talk about things that are proven that have, you know, a lot more people that are, there are a lot of people that are interested in them, but you can also talk about things that there's not a lot of people that are interested in them. And when you talk about those things that not a lot of people are interested in, you can still get views that you can still get a lot of views. If it's, you know, not as many people, but still a lot of people, you can still get a lot of views there. But the idea is when you are topically thinking, okay, this is for the people that I'm trying to reach, but how can I also kind of generalize this so it's gonna reach the largest amount of people that I'm trying to reach? That can also be something that can be really helpful for helping you you know, get more views and just get more activity in general. So that was a good start. Great, great question there. So thanks for um, thanks for asking that question. I appreciate it. Um, so let's see here. So really quick, we had a super chat come in. I'm gonna go ahead and answer this really quick. It says, can YouTube Shorts be a channel killer for new YouTube creators? Um, no. So when it comes to YouTube Shorts, one of the things that um, that YouTube has done recently is they've separated analytics. And um, by separating analytics, now you can start, you know, kind of seeing how things are being controlled, not controlled, but how they're being monitored in a different way. So the way to think about YouTube Shorts is YouTube Shorts are going to push you into new audiences. It's kind of the role of YouTube Shorts at this moment in time is with YouTube Shorts, they are to, you know, some of your regular subscribers are gonna see them, but they're also gonna push you into new audiences and, and expose you to people that might not have ever ran across your content before. And especially if you're just getting started, one of the things there that um, is, a, is a huge advantage is when it comes to making long long form content on YouTube, you have to get good at not just making the content, but also learning how to get people to click on it. But when it comes to shorts, you get to do half of that work to just get you started. So because of that, you know, you just have to focus on making really good content. So when it pops up in somebody's feed and, you know, they're sitting there just swiping through shorts, you grab their attention, you pull them into what it is that you're doing there and you wow them with the content that you've put out versus having to get them to click and then wow them with the content that you have. So it kind of cuts out, you know, one of the jobs um, in terms of a 
initially. Now, when it comes to the YouTube shorts, another thing is you also wanna make sure that you are adding calls to action for people to subscribe and things like that. And also trying to think when you are putting out shorts, I actually just had a really long conversation with um, somebody at YouTube about this recently. But when you're putting out shorts, one of the things that you also wanna think about is with the specific short that I'm putting out, how is that short going to be a bridge to my longer form content if I also want those people to watch my longer form content? It's kind of the idea. But um, but when it comes to YouTube shorts, um, you know, just making sure that you're just being intentional about it and making sure that you are, um, you know, publishing your shorts in a way um, that will complement what it is that you're doing in the long form side if you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to maximize both. But you can also just think, hey, you know, I'm going after, you know, YouTube shorts for, you know, this type of content that's still for my target audience. And then I'm going to go after long form for, you know, for this audience. So I'm going to use these long form videos to get in front of people in this way, maybe from YouTube search, maybe from home pages. And then I'm going to use the shorts specifically to nail people in the shorts feed and try to pull them in that way. Great question though. Um, okay, so next up on our list here, we've got Retro the Emperor saying I'm a rapper slash singer. Hey, that's cool. Super, uh, super cool. Hope that you, uh, I, I wish you uh, the, the most success uh, that you can possibly have. Um, so um, Tablet Pro, so really quick, before the stream started, um, you mentioned that um, your channel is pretty much grinding to a halt and that your subscriber count is like way down. Um, one thing that I, that I noticed when I looked at your channel, because um, I was like, oh, hey, I wonder what the issue was there because I was just killing a few minutes before you know the stream started and I went I looked at your channel and I saw that you're doing um, like you're teaching people how to use the tablets and how to maximize you know what it is that they're doing with the tablets but then you're also uploading like speed art content so one thing just to make sure that you are keeping in mind there is when you are uploading those things, even though people that are using tablets, some of them are gonna be making, you know, that type of, you know, art, and some of them will be interested in watching speed art. Um, you're also gonna have, you know, a lot of people that are just wanting the information on the on the, on the on the tablets, right? And how to use those and how to teach them. Like, hey, I'm coming here to use your channel as a resource to learn how to use tablets and, you know, really maximize or really just get good at, you know, using a tablet, not necessarily to do the speed art, right? Um, or to watch the the speed art and then other people they're going to come in for the speed art but then they're not going to you know want to hop on board with what it is that you're doing because they don't care about learning how to you know use a tablet so because of that i think that you might be polluting things a little bit or cross-pollinating i should say um your audiences by putting out you know um speed art and teaching people about the the tablets on the same channel um i in my opinion i think um i think that that's that would be something that i would work on because then what you can do is once you have it put together to where it's like, hey, I'm just doing speed art or hey, I'm just doing the, the you know, teaching people about tablets, then what you can do is you can just work that around your entire value proposition and let people know, hey, I'm helping you do this or hey, I'm showing you these. Um, so then that way, you know, what you're offering to the people that are watching your videos, um, it just becomes crystal clear instead of it being like, well, I do some of this and then I do some of this. Maybe you'll like these. Maybe you'll like some of these. You know, it just makes everything a lot more clear and that'll make it easier on your end as well in terms of, you know, deciding what content to make and you know when to publish what and and all of that so i just wanted to make sure that i um that i mentioned that as well just because i you know just because i i, I just took a really quick glance <laughs> really quick glance at the um at the channel before um uh, before uh we got started today so next up uh next up on the list here in the form we got question number two we've got uh let's see here we've got Pola Maniacs. Pola Maniacs says they do daily content. They've been on YouTube for less than six months. They do memes 
educational. Let me get this little thing up on the screen here. They go, the memes, educational memes. Um, the goal of the channel is to entertain and make money. And the question is how to get more impressions from meme videos. Same thing applies. Um, I, the whole impression thing that I went through at the beginning of the stream, um, all of that applies to what it is that you're doing as well. So it doesn't matter if you're making, uh, you know, uh, meme content. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, teaching people how to make soap either one, the rules still apply in terms of you got to be able to get people to click on what it is that you're doing. You got to be able to give them a good experience with the actual content itself so that YouTube will deem it as a good experience for their viewers and a, a you know piece of high performing you know content with a high performing you know click through rate so that YouTube can say, when we show this to the system can say, when this is shown to people on the platform that are interacting with YouTube, they respond to it at a competitive rate. That's it. Like once you get it to that, then you'll start getting uh, more impressions on your on your videos. But you have to, you know, use the impressions that you're currently getting as your testing ground. And you'll always do this, but use your, your impressions that you're currently getting on your as your testing ground on, okay, what can I do differently with my thumbnails to try to get people to click? So if my last video, let's say I got, you know, um, like if you're just getting started, let's say you got, you know, 10,000 impressions on your uh, first video or, or a thousand impressions on your first video that's a thousand people that your video was potentially put in front of and because of that you have to look at that and say okay well youtube put my video in front of a thousand people and i got like two people to click so because of that i need to you know work on uh you know work on on how i'm packaging things up from the outside i need to make sure that i'm looking at it through the lens of helping people identify it helping people you know see that it's something that they care about and of course you know having it be something compelling so uh, next question that we have here um, on the list, this one is from, um, yeah, they don't have a channel, it looks like. And um, they say that they are not yet a creator, but as a content consumer, oh, this is interesting, okay. I'm not yet a creator, but as a content consumer, this is really interesting actually. So um, I'm not yet a creator, but as a content consumer, I have a couple of pet peeves that often make me click off the video before I even get to the content. Please comment on these. One, long intros, especially when a boring animation that goes on and on. That is proven to negatively impact videos. So the way that you feel is reflected across the entire platform, across all genres of content. When people have those long, boring logo intros, um, if you go into, like on the creator side, we have something called audience retention reports. And our audience retention reports are a second by second graph of how people are responding to our content on average. So we can see like, hey, people are dropping out here, people are dropping out here. I lost three percentage of viewers during this part. I lost five percentage of viewers during this part and so on. So what happens is you can go in and look at the audience retention reports on channels that do that. And you'll see that, you know, they'll lose in some cases, it'll be a low percentage. And in other cases, it'll be a massive, like they'll lose a majority of their viewership during that, that, that thing that they think is important, you know, an important piece of their content. And the funny thing is a lot of content creators, they will look at it like, Oh, Hey, this is branding. This helps get my you know thing out there or whatever. But the funny thing is that a lot of people don't think of is they don't think in scale. So they'll think, okay, well, yeah, sure. I lose maybe, you know, 3% of my viewers um, during, you know, this particular five second or 10 second clip that I have um, with the splash my branding in front of them. And they'll think of it like on a per video basis. And it doesn't seem like a lot of people, but if you scale that out across a content library or even across the content that a creator is gonna be making over the next year, that 3% becomes a staggering, you know, amount of people that you miss the opportunity or that the content creators miss the amount or miss the opportunity to you know impact in some way so um so yeah so you are spot on there um in terms of you know like what you're saying here is proven in in data 
Um, the next is asking for a like or subscribe before I even see one second of content. How presumptuous would it ask me to do this blindly? Um, asking for this near to the end of the content is fine, is then I have ideas for quality and the value of the video the creator provides. So this one goes back and forth. So when it comes to this, um, if they do it incorrectly, then of course, you know, you, you wanna make sure you put a hook of some kind in there first. So a hook from the content creator side, cause you're coming into this as a consumer. Um, but from the content creator side, we try to use hooks or just interesting parts of the video or interesting things of the video in order to, you know, capture somebody's attention when they first click on it or to confirm that they're in the right place. So they don't think they're being click baited and things like that. So typically, you want to make sure that you add that type of, you know, um, um, hook or intro to your videos. And then after that, once you, you know, they know what it is they're going to get into, then you can set it up in a way. So one of the things that I used to do on mine, and I'm slowly bringing it back as I slowly took it out before, and I've taken a substantial hit on subscribers because I did this. But what I did before is I used to say, I did my hook and then I would say, hey, if this is your first time here and you wanna learn how to grow your channel, make videos and all types of other YouTube related stuff, start now by subscribing and clicking the bell so you don't miss anything. And that was extremely effective. And on that being effective, one of the wins with that is I wasn't just saying, hey, subscribe to the channel. If you're new here, subscribe. I let you know exactly what it was that I was offering on the channel so then you at least had some context. So if you subscribe in that moment in time or not, not a big deal, but you at least know that that's the type of content that I you know publish on a regular basis. And therefore, if you want to make that choice to subscribe, then it makes a little bit more sense. Um, so when you are doing those types of things or when content creators are doing those types of things, absolutely, it's a turnoff. If you start a video and somebody's like, hey, welcome to the video. My name is Bob. Um, before we get started, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and you know do all these things. Absolutely, um, it's a turnoff. And you, know, and, and you can see you know, mass amounts of viewership loss um, during you know, those moments in time. That's why you wanna get a hook in there first, and then you wanna actually give people a reason. But a better way to do it is to try to sprinkle it in somewhere in the video where it's non-intrusive, where, uh, where it's just something that you mention um, in passing. But the bonus at the beginning is as long as you set it up right, as long as you understand your audience, you know who it is you're trying to reach, you know the things they care about and all that, as long as you set it up right, you catch it at the beginning when the majority of the people are still watching the content as well, which is a win. Um, so, here, so next up on our list, we are now on number four. So really quick, Shark Scrapper. So man, hope you're doing awesome. Thank you for the super chat. Says, um, thank you for your news hit in response to my question. My store merch is now up on my channel. So less than 24 hours. Thank you. High five and fist bump to you for taking action on it, right? So what he's talking about there is um, is channels. And just to let everybody know here, um, just in case you didn't see my news segment, which is pinned at the top of the screen right now. YouTube lowered the requirements for the merch shelf down to 1,000 subscribers and being in the partner program. So if you have a monetized channel, if you have, you know, um, a, you know 1,500 subscribers on your channel um, or 1,001 subscribers on your channel and you've reached the 4,000 hours of watch time, so you're in the partner program, you can now have a merch slash shopping shelf on your YouTube channel, which is awesome. So um, for that, if you are, you know, somebody that is just getting started with that, you don't know how to set all that stuff up. Um, I have a video on um, Spreadshop on how to set up a merch store and all that. So I recommend you check that out and then you can integrate that directly with, uh, with your YouTube channel. Um, let's see here. Smoking Joe's bar uh, Pit Barbecue says, I took this advice and I added it to the closing of all my videos. It works. Absolutely, absolutely it does. Um, let's see here. So really quick, SMIV says that, um, and I'm pulling this one from the chat, says, um, financially, brand deals really help me out and I need them as my ad revenue keeps falling, but long-term, I feel they're damaging the content as my analytics has a 60 to 90 second loss thoughts. Um, so that's, that's something I deal with as well. 
So one of the ways that I monetize my channel, just like you, um, Smiv, um, is that, you know, that I do sponsorships. So um, as part of the sponsorships, we have the option to where we can approach it in different ways. So a lot of people like myself, we do it in a more intrusive way where, you know, we make sure that we are putting the message in front of, you know, as many people as possible. So therefore we put it at the beginning of the video, right? So it's like, hey, um, you know, before we get into the content, you know, this video is brought to you by, you know, XYZ and you have that little blurb. Um, without question, you lose viewership during that. You miss the opportunity to, you know, impact people when you do that um, and all of that, but at the same time, that's also one of those things where you have to balance it out. And you have to say, okay, some of my content, I'm not gonna have any of those messages in there, and that's just gonna be that content that um, I'm intending to use as the content that's gonna grow the channel. And then um, the other content, the sponsored content, of course, you wanna get that in front of as many people as you you know, as you know, can as well. But when you, you know, when you are looking at it through the lens of, okay, this is part of the revenue side of my channel, so therefore I need to make sure that I do work in these things, then in that case, you look at it from the lens of, okay, this one isn't intended to get, you know, a lot more views or a lot more subscribers than the other content. The goal of this video is to spread awareness and uh, about this brand and also to, you know, get that revenue um, in return. So when it comes to um, that, you have that approach. But then another approach that some creators take is at the beginning of the video, they'll say this video is brought to you by XYZ, more about them later in the video. And then what they'll do um, is they will go through the whole content. And then towards the end of the content, they'll either build the content in a way that lands on the sponsor message. Um, so then basically they kind of make the sponsor the hero is kind of the phrasing for that. And then um, uh, another approach is that they will go through the entire you know span of the content. And then at the very end, before they close out the video, before they you know have end screens up and all that, then they will say the sponsor message where they'll say, oh, and that you know brings us to you know today's sponsor, which is blah, blah, blah. Um, so you know when it comes to working them in, just keep in mind that you as a content creator, you have the flexibility to work out the deal however you want. Um, so because of that, you know, it's up to you to decide if you're going to, you know, put, toss them in the front where you're going to, you know, get that viewership loss, if you're going to put it later in the video. Um, so, you know, you just got to balance it out based on the content you're putting out. So one thing that I recommend that you do is you, when it comes to your content strategy overall, um, content strategies, for those of you that are hanging out here that aren't really familiar with what, you know, that idea is, is it's simply where you take your content and you figure out, okay, this is what I'm trying to accomplish here for the next, you know, uh, 90 days as an example. And you say, okay, in order to accomplish that, then I need to put out X amount of videos on this for the sake of, you know, the revenue side. I need to put out X amount of videos on this for the sake of the channel growth side. I need to put out X amount of videos on this for the sake of awareness of these other things that I'm doing. I need to put out X amount of videos like this for the sake of connection with the audience and all that. And what you do is you get that overview and you know the content that you need to put out in order to achieve very specific goals that you're trying to reach. And then you make the content for that purpose, knowing that you are going to lose that viewership, you know, maybe for that, but you're going to, in exchange, lose some of that viewership in exchange for, you know, the sponsor deal. So, um, um, so hopefully that, uh, that gives you some, some insights there. So one other thing that I want to mention to you, just since we're talking about this, because normally we don't get, you know, we don't talk about this type of thing very often. So I'm going to keep going here just for a second. But um, other things you can do when it comes to negotiating um, with the brands that you are working with is um, is one thing that can be extremely advantageous on your side. If you're, you know, if your revenue fluctuates is working out longer term deals. So a lot of content creators will just be like, hey, I'm just doing one off videos and I'm just constantly on the grind for brand deals and all that, which can be a lucrative way to do it because you can, you know, charge more per, per video. But if you also want just 
super consistent um, income over the course of the year or two years, depending on the deals that you work out or six months. If you just want super consistent income, then in that case, um, working out longer term agreements to where as part of your sponsor deals, you end up working it out to where you do like a video per month or, you know, a video every other month or a couple videos per month or, you know, something like that. So, um, so I encourage you to take that approach, but also during your negotiations, if you're having trouble with things like, you know, Hey, um, we want our message here at the beginning. Then in that case, if you're like, yeah, but I put them at the end and they're kind of giving you some slack on that. Then one thing that you can also use, um, that I found to be valuable is you can, you can offer to them that you can go into your um, AdSense account. And if they give you a list of the advertising URLs of their competitors, then for a certain period of time, you can go in there and you can drop those um, in there as well. So then their advertisers can't advertise on any of your content. So when doing that, you might take a hit depending on how much they're spending, you know, targeting your specific videos. Um, if they're even targeting your videos at all outside of, you know, keyword targeting, um, you can use that as a way to say, hey, you know, this way that your message is going to be the only one that's going to get in front of my audience when they're watching my videos. Um, you can also use that as, you know, a little bit of uh, leverage there um, as well. So a lot of thoughts on that. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully all that made sense. So uh, Yard Sales super and Dreams, chat. thanks for the super chat, says, um, can you talk about watch hours? I've been keeping track of watch hours on the mobile app, which says I'm over 4,000 hours, but on the studio, um, uh, uh, but on the studio YouTube website, I click on the monetize icon, it's different. Um, so um, if you're seeing something different inside of your creator studio than you're seeing in the mobile app, um, it could be based on your public counts. So what you want to look at, if you look under your monetization, you're going to see, you know, the little, the little meters that they give you. Those are based on your public count. So what that means is if you have videos on your channel that have, um, that have, you know, accumulated views, watch time and all that, and then you unlist those videos, let's say you do live streams and you've accumulated a lot of, uh, you know, watch time through those live streams and you unlist them, then the public watch time is going to be gone. And that's not going to count towards your monetization. So you just want to make sure that, um, that when it comes to your monetization, that you are looking at it from inside your creator studio so that you can just get the, you know, the, the accurate, you know, reflection of what's actually going on there. Um, and if you find like massive discrepancies um, as well, you can also reach out to, um, you can also reach out to Team YouTube on Twitter. Um, they also have YouTube community forums as well, where you can go and you can kind of plead your case, um, let people know or let, you know, YouTube know what it's going on. And then they can send you to, you know, the right documentation that will basically say the same exact thing that I just told you. But, um, but you know, you can use, you know, resources like that as well to, you know, try to get to the bottom of those types of things, especially if there is like a legitimate like glitch or discrepancy of some kind, because that those kind of things do happen. Um, next up on our list, we're going for Theme Park Blake here, um, which is from the form. And uh, they do daily content. It's a theme park channel. The goal of the channel is to become a popular theme park vlogger and enthusiast. And the question is, what are the most important things to keep in mind when trying to understand the YouTube algorithm? I'm gonna tell you the most important thing um, is that the algorithm follows the audience. So a lot of people, when they hop onto YouTube and they start making YouTube videos and they start watching content like this, or, you know, other videos on just how to get views and how to, you know, do all this stuff. One thing that they'll start thinking about is like, okay, so my job here as a YouTuber is I got to trick this robot, <laughs> right? I got to trick this robot. I got to put in the right words in order to, you know, make this robot, you know, show my content to more people or whatever, but it doesn't work that way. Um, how it actually works is that like when we publish our videos, content creators think that we publish our videos and then YouTube pushes our content out there to people to, you know, to, to promote the video. 
It actually works in reverse. So content creators, we are the secondary. The viewers, the people that are interacting and watching videos, which we do too, but in terms of you know the priority on YouTube, the, the, the primary is the actual viewers themselves. So what actually happens is when somebody is interacting on YouTube already, when you publish a video, the system is actually looking to see who it is that's on the platform right now that's gonna be a great fit for what it is that you just published based on their in, um, interest and all the data that YouTube has on their users. So when it comes to the algorithm itself, the idea isn't that you wanna to try to trick the robot, so to speak. Um, the idea is that you wanna think about the viewers that you're trying to reach and the audience that you're trying to grow and the community that you're trying to have. Um, because when you are thinking about the robot, then you are just focused on like metadata and you're focused on, uh, you know, like, you know, how many likes I'm getting and things like that. But at the end of the day, when you focus on the viewers, then everything changes because then you're paying a lot of attention to the comments that are being left in your videos. You're watching your graphs and your audience retention reports. You're paying close attention to your click-through rate because these are all things that impact how the how YouTube's algorithm ends up presenting your content to people based on how people are already responding to what it is that you do. So when you publish a video, YouTube gives you impressions and those impressions, like I mentioned at the, at the beginning of the stream, in case you weren't here for it, an impression is when YouTube shows your content to somebody on the platform. And then from there, if they decide to click on it or not, that's all gonna be you know up to you and how good you are at targeting your content and all that in terms of helping your, you know, with your thumbnail, helping somebody recognize that it's something that they would care about so that it grabs their attention. And then, you know, from there you can use your title and anything else that you add in your thumbnail to try to pull them into what it is that you're doing. But at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the viewers to respond to what it is that you're doing. So you can't trick YouTube. Right, so you can't you can't trick YouTube into thinking that your video is better than it is. Um, you can't trick YouTube into thinking that you know that people are clicking on it more than they are or anything like that. Everything is based on real data, based on how the viewers of YouTube or the users of YouTube are responding to the content that you're publishing. So instead of thinking through the through the through the lens of you know like I gotta I gotta beat the YouTube algorithm, instead think of it through the lens of okay, I'm trying to connect with humans here. I'm trying to get the people that, that care about the type of content that I'm, that I'm making, I'm trying to get them to respond to it. So what do I, like, what can I do with my thumbnails? What type of videos can I make topically that they'll care about? What can I do with my thumbnails to help them identify it? What can I do with my, with my titles to help compel them to click on it based on, you know, the, adding, you know, compelling elements um, or information to your, um, to your titles. That's kind of, that's the idea. So instead of thinking robot, think human, and just think like, I'm just trying to connect with people who are into content like I make. So therefore I need to get really good at that. I'm gonna use my YouTube analytics as a guide to tell me how those people that I'm trying to reach are responding to what it is that I'm doing. Uh, let's see here. So as we keep on going through our list here, we are now at number five and we've got a uh, tablet pro. What's up, Tablet Pro? Says, um, let's see, they do tech and tutorials. The goal of the channel is to make creators' lives more comfortable and portable. And the um, question is, my channel's dying, 25,000 subscribers and over 100 new subs a month. Okay, yeah, we, we covered this one already, so I'm going to, uh, I'm gonna skip this one. So next up, we've got Easton Plays. Easton Plays says they do movie reviewing. The goal of the channel says I wanna entertain people. And the question is, is movie reviewing good content? Um. It's content um, in terms of, you know, just sitting there, you know, reacting to a movie. Me personally, um, you know, 
like when it comes to what good content is, this is where you're gonna have to use YouTube in terms of looking in your um, YouTube analytics, your audience retention reports to figure out if the, the way that you're doing it is something that people are responding to in a positive way or not. Um, because in my, like I don't watch uh, movie reviews because I'm just not a fan of movie reviews, movie reactions, all that stuff. It's just my, not my type of content. In my brain, they are essentially taking someone else's content and then they're trying to make it their own content by doing that, which is fine, but that's just not the type of stuff I wanna watch. I wanna make stuff that was built from the ground up by a content creator. Um, so when it comes to you know that type of content, in terms of seeing how your audience responds to it, you wanna use your, your audience retention reports and you can see that um, for each video that you publish, inside of a computer, um, like in, you know, on a laptop or you know, a desktop computer, you can see this information. You can also see it on your mobile phone um, if you are using the uh, Creator Studio app. Ain't Newbie is our next question here. Ain't Newbie says that they upload when they have time and they do gaming content. The goal of the channel is to create Roblox Let's Play videos. And the question is, um, are a RIVPP graphs more uh, audience retention? Okay, um, graphs more important than the typical AR graphs from YouTube Studio. Since RIVPP is universal to multiple videos, regardless of video length, would it be more important than audience retention, even though your watch time related stats may be good, at least that's what I'm experiencing. So audience retention and video percentage positions found by downloading um, audience retention from YouTube Studio. So when it comes to your audience retention, um, average view percentage is important and total watch time is also important. So both of them are indicators of how people are enjoying your content. Our goal as content creators, or our job as content creators, is to put out content that people enjoy at the highest level that we're able to do it. Um, so when it comes to you know what is most important, what is most important is that you're factoring in everything um, in terms of anything related to your audience retention. And not just that, you, know, you also have your, your relative audience retention as well. So you have your absolute, which is how people are responding, you know, for um, you know each moment of your video. But then you have your relevant relative audience retention, which is how your videos are competing against other videos of similar length. So you know you want to make sure you're paying attention to that too. So you can be like, hey, you know my hooks are great, but after that, you know everybody else is beating me out. Um, but if you can start getting your content where it's above average with all of you know with all the videos that you publish for a majority of your video, then your videos are going to start doing. You know your videos are going to start doing well. Um, let's see here. So next up, we've got power wheelchairs for success. Um, they do support guidance regarding wheelchairs. Um, the goal of the channel is to assist and answer questions for wheelchair users and caregivers. The question is how to handle negative trolls. They give me thumbs down randomly. It's part of the gig. So if you have somebody that's trolling you in terms of they come into your YouTube channel all the time and you know every video you publish or they go across multiple videos in your channel and they're giving you a hard time there. Um, dislikes, it's just a normal thing. That's why you know that people can't dislike mom and stuff like that anymore. Um, we only see that on the creator side. So it's kind of reduced the you know the impact of that. But, um, but when it comes to trolls, if they're saying bad things about you, then you can add those words or phrases to your blocked words list and YouTube will auto hide those comments. Um, next to every comment on YouTube, there's a three dot menu where you can, and even here in the chat, where you can select that and then you can hide a user from your channel. Um, um, I recommend that you use those options as well. So when you have people, you know, legitimately trolling you, I really recommend that you just block them out. So some people will, they'll go the route of like, hey, I'm, just, I'm gonna just be as nice as I can, try to kind of convert them over into, you know, a, a regular viewer or whatever. Um, for me, I don't have the tolerance for that. For me, I'm like, hey, if they're coming in here and they're just like negative, they don't have anything, you know, nice to say, or they don't have any anything to contribute, or they don't have any legitimate questions, they're just coming in being a jerk for the sake of being a jerk, then I'm going to treat them like, 
like a jerk and they can, you know, just not, you know, like I'm just going to hide them from the channel. They can still see it. They can still interact with the content. They can even still comment, but you're just not going to see it. Nobody else is going to see it, which is a huge win when it comes to uh, when it comes to that. Next up on our list, uh, we've got Poppin' Missouri. Poppin' Missouri says that they do Funko Pop collecting. The goal of the channel is to have fun and help others and uh, help others via charity donations. The question is, if you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. The question is, I'm nearing the 1000 sub mark, but I'm having issues getting view hours. I usually post shorter videos. So my question is, <coughs> excuse me, So my question is, should I post longer videos to build towards my 4,000 hours? I'm always worried that viewers won't watch a longer video. It's possible. So when you are publishing content to YouTube, short form, long form, you know, any of it, when you're publishing content to YouTube, sometimes you might publish something that people won't watch. Um, taking that risk and just doing it anyway to see, you know, how good you are at getting people to watch or to see how much value you can add through a piece of content or to see how much you can creatively flex or whatever your thing is like, you know, it's something you should try anyway. Um, so not doing it for the sake of thinking that it's possible that somebody might not interact with it. Like you are imagining 100% of that. Um, and the reason that you're imagining 100% of that is because you're not going to know until you actually publish your videos. So the same exact thing applies to like anybody here that, that hasn't started a channel yet, that, that you're like hanging out here trying to learn like, Hey, what do I need to do to start a channel? Like the same exact thing applies, you know, like you might have all these things in your mind where you're like, Hey, what if I make a video and nobody watches it? Things like that. And you start creating these like huge mountains in your brain in terms of like, you know, what if this happens? What if this happens? And what if I do this? And then that happens. And, and, and what happens, you just create this huge wall in front of you. And the funny thing is, is it's 100% imaginary. Like it's just something that you just make up for the sake of, you know, just running through scenarios of things that could possibly maybe happen, um, you know, if things were to play out that way. So, you know, if you do have something like that where you are, you know, where you're thinking to yourself, like, hey, um, you know, I don't know, what if I do this and people don't respond the way I want and things like that, like, try it you know, try it. And, 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 and you might, you know, you might find that you are right, <laughs> or you might find that, you know, people respond in a much better way than, uh, than you anticipated. Those types of thoughts almost kept me from starting my YouTube channel in the first place. So I really encourage you to, uh, to, to, to not go that route. So um, let's see here. So really quick, I, um, I have some super chats come in that I didn't see that I'm going to, uh, Doug just brought to my attention. So I'm going to, um, uh, hit those here really quick. And we have a top cat talent show Super says, Hey, Nick, check your Twitter. I sent you the info um, for you to send your music video to our contest. Thanks for all your info. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I will do that. And um, the thrifted dragon says, Super Hey there, Nick, track. do my thumbnails suck? Um, you can see that. Like I could go and I, I could look at your thumbnails and I could give you kind of like a best practice, you know, analysis on your thumbnails. Right. But without getting into your YouTube analytics and saying like, Hey, your analytics prove to me that your thumbnails could be better or worse, um, then, you know, I can't really say. Um, so I can give you best practice information like, hey, this is way too cluttered or the focus isn't right or the colors that you're using aren't gonna stand off or the text that you are using is blending into the colors. You know, like I can, you know, I can do that stuff all day, but without actual data, you know, to your YouTube channel, I can just give you the best practice recommendations. And what you can do though, right now during this live stream, you can go and for your last, let's say 10 videos, just go and, you know, open up in the new tabs, um, go 
go into the analytics for them and look at the impressions that you're getting for each one and look at your click-through rate that you're getting for each one compared to the impressions. Um, look at it, you know, averaged out just so you can get a ballpark idea there and then click into your traffic sources and then look and see how you're performing on homepages. Look and see how you're performing in YouTube search. Look and see how you're performing in suggested videos. And when you start looking at that information, it's gonna give you a lot of insight in terms of like, hey, I'm crushing it in search, but I am but I can't get anybody to click when, when it shows up on a homepage. And when you start noticing things like that, it really puts a big spotlight on things that you need to do to improve. So for example, in that case, your video, if it's getting, you know, if it's doing great in search, but it's not doing great on homepages, that could mean that when people are looking for your video, it's easy to convert them into your video. But when you are in a position to where your content shows up on a homepage, when somebody's not expecting to interact with your content, you're not good at grabbing their attention, getting them to click there, which means that's something that you need to work on. So, you know, by going into your um, analytics, you can really uncover a lot of the information, you know, that, that you're after when it comes to deciding, hey, are my thumbnails good or bad? You know, my video content, is it good or bad? Um, you know, using the analytics that we have at our disposal helps you see, you know, all of that. And then you just have to decide from there, how much am I willing to do in order to get these numbers up, right? How much am I willing to learn? How much time am I willing to, you know, commit to this in order to get these numbers up and then roll up your sleeves and, and start working on it. So next up, we've got Midnight Wolf Tarot says that if I get more viewers doing live shows, should I stay with that um, or should I do videos as well to get my content out there? So live videos can also get out there. So it really comes down, you know, structurally um, to what it is that you're doing in your live streams, how good it is for the live experience, also how good it is on the replay experience. So for example, I'm experimenting right now with my new segment that I'm doing. It's actually pinned to the top of the screen. It's a whole new series that I um, put together. Got like a green screen thing for it and all that. So it's like a, you know, way outside of what I normally do. Um, so with that one, so the first one I did was a live stream. Second one was a video. Then I did a live stream again. The live stream actually ended up outperforming the video. Um, so I was like, hey, let's do another live stream. And then next week, I'm not sure exactly if I'm going to do a video or a live stream next week, but I'll be sprinkling another video in there somewhere um, so that over time I can get roughly about 10 videos, roughly about 10 live streams, and I can compare them against each other and just, you know, get a bigger picture of which ones you guys respond to uh, best or which ones, you know, perform, you know, better overall. So when it comes to um, you know, making that call, if you're getting the results from your live streams, then by all means, you know, you can keep doing your live streams as long as for long-term growth, as long as they, you know, are, are good on the replay as well. And you get, you know, a good, or you give a good replay experience with your live streams. Um, next up, we got science-based fitness. Super Thank you for the super chat as well, saying I'm struggling finding the language to add on my thumbnails. My recent video is about exercise selection. Thumbnail says what exercise to choose. Would love to hear your process. Thanks. So uh, this is a great question. So when it comes to um, deciding what text to put in your thumbnails, the very first question to ask is, do you even need text on your thumbnails is all at all? So it's it's a common thought for content creators that that it's like mandatory to put text on your thumbnails, but that's not the case. So in your case, since you are talking about, you know, science-based fitness, um, in that case, you know, just focusing on the imagery itself might be something that you want to, or that is something that you should experiment with. So you can first uncover if you even need to put text in your thumbnails at all. Um, because, you know, the imagery is going to be the thing that's going to help people that are into fitness know that your content has something to do with fitness, which will then drop them down to the title, right? So it's really important to make sure that you are thinking of it in terms of like, hey, it's there, but do I even need to, you know, do I even need to put that in there in the first place? Um, next, what you want to think about um, as well when it comes to your 
thumbnail is what exercise to choose might not necessarily, I mean, it might, you know, be the thing, but based on your title, cause I'm not sure what your actual um, title is itself. But when it comes to the, um, when it comes to the um, thumbnail for the text that you put in there, what you want to think about is you know, like, what, what exercise to choose that's like, okay. And you know, that might be, you know, helpful, but if you get a little bit more specific, like best exercises for this result, like best exercises for fat loss. And then you put, you know, the bigger emphasis on fat loss. Like that's the biggest, you know, text that you have in the thumbnail. So you make sure that that's the thing that people, you know, grab the attention to. Then in that case, people that are trying to lose weight can, without having to put any energy into it whatsoever, they can see, you know, fat loss and trying to lose weight. So, you know, best exercise for fat loss. Okay. Makes total sense. I'm in. Um, same exact thing goes for, if you're trying to, you know, get your cardio up or, you know, something like that, when you can be a little bit more specific on the, you know, person that you're targeting there and the goals that they might have. Um, if you are going to use text, you might want to try to leverage that type of thing instead um, of just being vague with like what exercise to choose. Right. Um, so when it comes to your thumbnails first, just think of it through the lens of, do I even need text um, and, and experiment with not using text. Um, but then also just think like, okay, is there a way that I can attach this to like a result or goal that somebody's, you know, that somebody else has to where if they're already watching content like that, YouTube's going to end up, you know, suggesting, um, you know, this to them anyway. So how can I help them on a homepage just more easily identify that this is, you know, this is something that is going to directly relate to them and, help stand out against a sea of other content that also does that um, as well. So um, uh, another thing as well, I, I don't know, for those of you that are that are tube spanner users, um, so first off, make sure you get your notepads out. But um, but second off, one thing that is really awesome um, in tube spanner, and I've been using this a lot lately myself, um, is that there is a, uh, a tool in there to where you can upload a thumbnail and you can actually see how it stands out against all the other content on a homepage, which is pretty awesome. So if you're, you know, on a computer, you can load a thumbnail in and write a title and then you hit the button to, you know, to check it or to test it and it blacks out the screen and then it pops up on the screen with your thumbnail and your in your title on there somewhere on the screen it's always random um and then that helps you just identify like hey how you know how quick does this you know pull attention and you know out of this sea of thumbnails that i'm competing against right now with on my homepage, you know how much does mine stand out against all these other random thumbnails as well so it's a really awesome tool so um that's just a, a bonus thing that i wanted to mention um as far as uh, tube spanner is concerned Relaxing Serenity Sounds. Super Thank you chat. for the uh, super chat. I appreciate it. And uh, Midnight Wolf Tarot. Welcome to the Niminati. Welcome to the Niminati. Make sure next time you get the chance, you go to NimminVIP.com. Um, it's pinned on the screen right here. Um, that is our members only Facebook group. Make sure you fill out all the information on the way in. And if you can do that before the stream is over today, um, I'll get you in there. Um, I'll get you in there before the stream is complete. Uh, or I mean, after the stream is complete uh, today. Um, let's see here. So we're caught up there, caught up here. I'm going to refresh this, make sure we're good. And then we're hopping right back into the, uh, hopping right back into the questions here. Um, Thrifted Dragon says, thank you. My pleasure. And Commander Vlogs, thank you for the super sticker. And, uh, Derek Weber, Scary Stories says, are there any reasons why I shouldn't launch a new channel with two to three videos on launch day instead of just one? Um, so you can launch it with two to three videos. I mean, at the end of the day, like your launch isn't just a day. Your launch is like a, you know, three to six month period of time where you are pretty much ramping up the channel and trying to pick up momentum. But when it comes to the original videos that you're putting out, just keep in mind when you publish all three videos at one time,
time. YouTube is going to have to make the choice on which one of those videos to show to somebody on their homepage, you know, suggested videos and so on, who the system thinks is gonna be a good content for the content that you're putting out or a good fit for the content you're putting out. So you gotta make sure that when you are, you know, just making that call um, that you are, you know, that you're just considering that. Um, in addition to that, one benefit of doing that is that if you, let's say you publish two videos, when you publish two videos, then what you can do is you can have the one video recommending the other video at the end of it so they can go and watch that other video. So then one benefit is that you can create, you know, a chain between two videos, which will, you know, help increase the views. But if somebody goes, if somebody watches the first video to the end and then they end up watching the second video or vice versa, and then that sends them back to the first video, whatever then what happens is the originating video that caused them to go deeper into the platform, um, according to YouTube, will perform better on the platform. So by putting out two, um, then in that case, it gives you that opportunity. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it really comes down to just deciding like, hey, do I just want to splurge all these out in one shot? Um, or do I want to, you know, be a little bit more strategic about it based on, you know, hey, I want YouTube to be showing my content, you know, um, you know, not competing with myself when I'm first trying to start the YouTube channel. Um, let's see here. So next up on our list, we're hopping back into the um, form for this one. And um, we've got, let's see, do we do the Funko Pop one? I think we did a thousand sub mark, uh, 4,000 hours. Okay, yep, we got that one. So now we're on number 10. And um, this is from iFun Chris. iFun Chris says that um, he does entertainment content. The question is, I want more subscribers. Yeah, so so when it comes to YouTube, all of that is gonna come down to how people respond to your to your content, um, Chris. So, um, so if you want more subscribers, then, you know, then like, like you, you got to think in the other direction as well in terms of like what am I making um, that you know that like with the content that I'm making is it something that if somebody doesn't know me and somebody has never interacted with it before um, is it content that I think that um, you know is subscribable um, you know if the answer is yes then you know you're going in the right direction if you're like oh, you know what I'm not really sure then in that case you know keep working on it until you get it to until uh, you get it to that level. Next up, we got Pat's Tune. Pat's Tune does bi-weekly content. It's an educational channel. The goal of the channel is to educate people and help them find useful information. And the um, goal of the channel, or the question is, I just reached a thousand subscribers using all the useful information I learned from your channel. Um, congratulations to you. High five and fist bump to you. Nice work. Um, so I just reached a thousand subscribers. Um, what would you say is one of your best advice to help me and others get to 10,000 subscribers as an educational channel? Learn how to use your analytics. I'm gonna give you two things here. Learn how to use your analytics and try to get as deep of an understanding of the people that you're trying to educate as you possibly can. Because you have an educational here uh, channel here. So you're trying to educate people and help them find useful information. So you wanna make sure that you're getting extremely clear on specifically who it is that you're trying to give useful information to. So giving useful information to everybody ends up leaving you in a situation where you're not really reaching anybody because everything's just unclear. Um, but if you are like, hey, I'm going to um, put out information is going to be very helpful and useful to this specific type of person, um, then in that case, you're going to give yourself a big leg up on YouTube. And that's going to help you know what content to make. Um, when it comes time to come up with topic ideas, it's going to help you learn how to make thumbnails that are going to resonate with those people, how to, what language to use in your title to resonate with those people and so on. So, um, so those are, those are the things that I, uh, that I recommend there. And also, you know, and on the analytics side, just make sure you're paying attention because, you know, 
when you get to the point where you have a thousand subscribers, like you've got a decent amount of data behind your channel, if that's happened, you know, across a nice handful of videos. So because of that, start going in and start, you know, digging in and figuring out with all the videos that I've published, it's gotten me to this 1000 subscriber mark. Who here is like approaching a thousand subscribers or just crossed a thousand subscribers? You're like, okay, down. Now we're trying to get to that 10,000. If that's you, um, just say me um, in the chat real quick. But basically the idea is when you do start digging into your analytics, there's a feature in there called grouping or groups. When you go into your advanced mode in your analytics, if you click on your channel name, then there's going to be a dialog box that pops up. And over on the far right hand side, there's a tab that says groups. So out of the content that you publish, you can actually go in and you can see like you can start grouping content together based, you know, on topics or whatever it is that you're trying to uncover there. And you can over time or you can actually sit down and do this in a day um, where you can sit down, you can you can group your content together into all these different categories and compare those groups against each other. So you can get an understanding of like what content type do you make that people subscribe to? To most um, what content type currently because you just crossed a thousand subscribers so you're just getting into the partner program but um but you know like which content is driving you know the most revenue or has the highest cpms attached to it which content typically gets more watch time which content typically gets more views things like that you're going to be able to you know more clearly see that and then you can lean into the stuff that typically performs more to help accelerate your path to that ten thousand subscribers um, let's see here. The driver sensei. Hey, what's going on? Hope you're doing awesome. Nice to see you in here. Says, uh, yo, Nick question. Why does it seem like bigger channels aren't even doing lives? Is it best to grow with vids before lives? Um, first lives around 500, um, K to 60 million. So, um, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to lives on bigger channels, probably just because they're public, you know, they're putting out, you know, just good video content, or it could just be the channels that you happen to be interacting with. So there are big channels like um, Emily Baker um, is one just off the top of my head um, that does only live streaming content and she's crushing it um, over there just on live streaming content. So uh, when it comes to, you know, bigger channels on lives, they absolutely do. It could just be the channels that you're interacting with. Um, but for the people that choose not to, lives aren't for everybody. You know, like some people look at lives as like, hey, that's the thing I'm gonna do to try to grow the channel. Or hey, that's the thing I'm gonna try to do to, you know, to interact with my community. But then on the other hand, there's a lot of people that are just terrified of going live because with a piece of video content, you can edit out your mistakes. Um, when it's live, you know, like, you know, I had a thing earlier where I had to like hit a button over here and turn the volume down. So I had to like, you know, clear my throat for a second and then, you know, put it all back on. So, you know, like little details like that, you can't just edit those out. They, they're just there. And that terrifies a lot of people. Um, plus a lot of people are afraid of just making mistakes while they're live and things like that, or they just don't know what to live stream about. So, um, so because of that, when it comes to, you know, making that call for, you know, other channels, it could just be that they're just not interested in it um, and that they just love making video content or just the thing that they're doing is working. And they're just like, hey, I'm like, I don't need to do that because what I'm doing is working, you know, in this, you know, in, in this other area. Interesting question though. Um, let's see here. And you say, is it best to grow with videos before lives? Um, so if people respond to your live streams, it's fine. So um, on my channel, keep in mind, this is, the, you know, this, like I've been on YouTube for a while, but like when, um, when I had, let's see here, I think around 12,000 subscribers is when I started live streaming. Um, and I started live streaming consistently, almost um, some, I mean, there are points in time where I'd live stream several times a week because I was so obsessed with it. Um, but then I got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm just gonna do this like on a weekly basis. And, um, um, and then I just did it like from that point forward, almost, you know, every single uh, Saturday. So, uh, so when it comes to, you know, growing with videos before lives, just, you know, get yourself to the point to where you're just comfortable going live. And then also just make sure you give a really strong purpose um, to what it is that you're going live or a reason that you're going live on the channel. And, and in terms of the value that you can give through your live stream to your viewers, um, and then, you know, 
give it a shot and you find and you'll quickly find out um, if your if your audience responds well to um, to what it is that you're doing or not or if you need to wait a little bit you know before you come back in and do it again um, next up, we've got Jess Stanley. Thanks super for the um, super chat there. Jess says, um, hey, Nick, I love your work. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. Says you've helped me um, reach 85,000 subscribers. High five and fist bump to you. Nice work. I'll do it over here. Nope, this one quick. Nope, this one. All right, there you go. Fist bump to you. Nice work. Says um, you helped me reach 85,000 subscribers. My views seem to only be interested in a few certain topics I talk about. I feel like I'm making the same recycled videos to get views. Any thoughts? Welcome to the club. So like, uh, that's one thing. And um, I was actually in a, in a meeting with um, some people um, at YouTube that are involved in the recommendation system. And um, in that particular call, I was on there with a few other content creators as well. One of the conversations we were having is that um, that it's kind of unfortunate right now that the way the system is currently, you know, working is that, you know, when you put out content that is, you know, for that audience, that, that you know, target audience that you're intending, then in that case, you know, can do well. But if you're like, hey, I just want to be creative and make something else that, you know, maybe like a whole other group of people can enjoy, then in that case, you know, it, it like, like content creators, we feel kind of limited because, you know, just based on how the system works and, you know, growing the channels and, and making the channel subscribable because it's, you know, based around a theme and all those things because all of those things are so important in terms of like you know long-term sustainability like it almost feels like as content creators we're kind of stuffed into this box like once you figure out the path that you have to keep you know doing that so because of that the thing that i um, recommend that you try um and this one's th this one you know um basically problems like this you get over them through experimentation so what i what i recommend that you try jess is that you sit down grab a cup of coffee or tea or, you know, glass of water, whatever, to, you know, whatever your choice is and, and spend some time just, you know, sit there and, 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 you know, in the quiet and think to yourself, okay, for the people that I'm trying to reach with the, with the type of videos that I make, yes, I'm serving them this type of content and they're responding well to this, but for the people that are responding well to this, based on what they're proving to me that they're interested in, what other types of value could I bring to them that they might respond to that I could just experiment with? Because if I'm putting out videos and some of them aren't doing well when I go outside of my normal topics anyway, then just running some experiments isn't gonna, you know, it's not gonna hurt anyway, because, you know, if you're already running into that situation. So because of that, what I encourage you to do is just sit down, you know, with a, with a pen and paper and just think to yourself, okay, like what other types of value, you know, could I do? And of course, feel free to research other channels who make content like your, yours um, um, as well and see if there's anything, you know, any outliers that they're doing to where you could, you know, make a better version or just do something different, you know, just looking at it for inspiration. But um, but like one, one way that I want you to think of this, not just use my channel as an example since you're watching my videos is, and I use this example a lot, is even though I'm reaching YouTube content creators with my content, and that's, you know, who it is that I'm trying to reach, people that are, you know, trying to figure all this stuff out. So even though that's who I'm reaching with my content, I can still make other content as long as it resonates with the things that YouTubers are into. So for example, um, I just started that new um, series, which is at the top of the um, screen right now. That's a total experiment right now. It's not something that I've committed to, but it's something that, you know, I'm going to run for a while and to see how, you know, see how people respond over time. It's, it's off to a great start though, by the way. Um, but with that, it's a different type of value, even though people typically come here to learn, you know, all the, all the, you know, information about, you know, YouTube and growing a channel and, you know, the different tools and resources and all that, that's a, that's a, 
different type of value. It's like a quick update that I give that helps people just stay up to date with what's going on in YouTube. So in addition to that, if I wanted to, another thing that I could do, and I would probably do this in a short form if I was gonna do it, but another thing that I could do, because again, I'm trying to reach content creators, is if I wanted to do skits on my channel, I could, but I would need to, at least as an experiment, but what I would need to do is I would need to make those skits something that my target audience, which is YouTube content creators, something that they would resonate with. So for example, maybe it was a skit about, you know, YouTube customer support, or maybe it was a skit about, you know, trying to get your first views or, you know, something like that. But the idea is I could make a different type of content as long as it's something that the people that I'm trying to reach would resonate with. So what I recommend that you do is just sit down with a, you know, with a piece of paper and just run through like, okay, this is what people are currently responding to, which proves to me that they're interested in these things. And this is the theme of my channel. And this is what I'm doing. What else? could I do? And you're gonna have to get creative on this probably, but what else could I do that I could test just to see if people respond to it? And then, you know, run, you know, just keep running through those tests until you find something else that 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 you're happy making and that the audience um, also responds to. And keep in mind, you know, also reach out, you have a community tab, you know, use it and ask people, you know, hey, um, you know, I, I, I say the same exact thing because, you know, it's your community. So let them know, say, hey, I feel like I'm just giving you guys the same videos all the time. Like, is there is there something that you would love me for me to love for me to make that I currently just don't have available for you on my YouTube channel. And, you know, just through the feedback that you're going to get from that, that might send you just into just a, you know, inspiration overload in terms of, you know, just different options that you might have for, for content on your channel. Um, so when you are going through that exercise, just make sure that you do keep in mind through the feedback that you get, make sure that you do keep in mind that, you know, whatever goals you have for the channel, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish with the channel, you also wanna run those ideas through that filter. Like, okay, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. This is the value I'm trying to add. This is the, you know, things that I'm trying to get out of the, you know, all this effort that I'm putting into YouTube and all that. So with all the different ideas that you do come up with during that exercise, you wanna make sure that you do filter it through. Is this also going to be in alignment with what it is that I'm doing and trying to accomplish with the YouTube channel? So um, so that's, that's what I recommend there. Commander Vlogs, thank you for the uh, super sticker. I appreciate it. So hopefully that made sense. Um, let's see here. So as we keep on going, Plant Obsessed says, thanks for answering my questions last week. I had my first one out of 10 in months due to your advice. You are the best high five and fist bump to you. It's due to you and you putting the stuff into action, right? Taking the information, putting it into action and, and like doing the thing. So high five and fist bump to you for doing, for doing the thing. <laughs> and congratulations on that one out of 10. Love it. Um, let's see here. So the bearded tyrant, love the channel name, Super says, um, hey, and, and I'm not as, you know, bearded as you might be. Maybe. I don't know because I, I can't see. But, uh, but you know, but but I'm, I'm there with you on the beard thing. Says, um, hey, Nick, Variety Gaming Channel. My shorts have been picking up and I'm finally on a schedule for my streams. I thought it would be adding a mini game and a stream would be a good way to keep retention during live. Um, it could be. You know, th this is one of those things where, you know, if you have an idea, like, you know, part of being a, a, a creator, and this is going to be, you know, a, a quick soapbox moment. So bear with me. But like part of being a creator is coming up with ideas like this and being like, you know what? This is something that popped up in my brain. It would be a good fit for the people that I'm trying to reach. So let me try it. Let me just try this and see how people respond to it. And when you do that, you're going to, you know, you'll find out quickly, um, you know, hey, doing this little mini game while I'm doing my stream, people love it or people don't really seem to be responding to it or people don't really seem to care, you know, one way or the other. And then by doing that and by doing the experiment, then you actually start getting some feedback from the experiment. And then that helps you make the decision on if you should keep walking down that path or not, um, or if you should just go back to the lab, so to speak, and try to come up with, you know, additional ideas um, that you can that you can use to add value. <clears throat> but yeah, 
in terms of, you know, is would it be a good way to keep, uh, you know, keep the retention? It's definitely something, uh, definitely something to try. So I'm going to scroll down the page here, make sure I didn't miss anything. And I think I'm good. Um, let's see here. So Commander Vlogs, thank you Super again. Chat. And uh, let's see here. Broken True Crime, super Broken chat. Justice True Crime. Thank you for the uh, super sticker there as well. Thank you. Okay, so um, next up on our list, and I'm hopping back into the form for this. So if you're just joining the stream, um, we are talking about YouTube and all things related to YouTube. Um, the questions that I'm answering, I'm kind of going back and forth a little bit. I'll jump in and grab, you know, some out of the chat as well, but um, I'm focusing mostly on the form that is in the description of this stream right now. So um, so if you do have a question, make sure you get it into that stream and we'll try to get it answered here on the stream today. If it doesn't get answered here on the stream today, I do want to let you know if your question is in there that it's a, it's possible because I'm recording a bunch of podcasts and stuff right now as well. So it's possible it could end up as another piece of video content um, where you'll get credit. Um, it could end up, you know, in a podcast form or something like that. So um, just as a heads up, if it doesn't get answered on the stream, like if it ends up way back in the queue, um, then in that case, you know, it still might surface somewhere. So definitely if you have a question, make sure you put it in there so I can get it answered for you somewhere. <laughs> um, let's see here, <clears throat> excuse me. So next uh, we've got top financial alpha, top financial alpha and hold on really quick. Doug has something here. He says, um, from Kitchen Uncomplicated as a follow-up, um, the consumer question, is there a better practice template like hook intro question, CTA um, answer question, outro, et cetera? Absolutely. So, you know, there's 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 struct video structures. You can call them templates if you like, but there's video structures that are just proven to work. Um, so yeah, absolutely. There are there are those. And all you, all you can all you have to do like that notepad that are a lot of you are using from TubeSpanner. You can use that to examine other videos too. Like that's not just made for you to, you know, take notes during my live stream. Like the 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 purpose of that tool is to take notes on any YouTube video, but you can also use it to study other people's content. So like in your case, um, uh, Kitchen Uncomplicated, what you can do is you can go and you can watch my videos and you can and you can take a note. And you can be like, okay, this is this hook. And you can do this with paper, you know, and your, and your phone, whatever. But I'm just saying it just makes it easy because it adds timestamps and everything. But, um, but you can say, okay, hook, um, this right here, you know, he kind of built up, you know, the thing he's going to be talking about here. He did the call to action here. He did this here. He did this. And you can, you know, just use that notepad to analyze all the other videos that you're watching on YouTube. And then you can start looking at those notes because you can download them into your computer. You can start looking at those notes and say to yourself, like, okay, it seems like everybody's, you know, everybody is doing these types of things with their hooks. Everybody, you know, after they do their hooks and they start getting into the content, they do these things, they re-engage people in these ways. And it just really helps you, you know, analyze other videos that you are, uh, you know, that you're, that you're going up against or that you're just watching, you know, that, that too. So, uh, calming anxiety member for 15 months. What's up, Martin? Hope you're doing awesome, man. Says, um, hope all are well, just watching and creating as always mega. Thanks, uh, Nick for your support. Thank you for yours as well, Martin. Super, uh, super appreciated. So uh, let's see here. So next up here, we got a uh, top financial alpha is our question, um, is the person our question is from. They have an investing and finance channel. The goal of the channel is to promote great information about investing and to share their accounting knowledge. And the question is, I'm very familiar with many YouTube protocols and have researched a ton on growing a YouTube channel over the last year. Love your channel, Nick. Thank you. 
Um, but my question is, I cannot find where to go to get rare stock footage, almost like documentary videos on JD Rockefeller or other well-known people. Where the bigger channels find their stock photos and videos, I'm already subscribed to Storyblocks and Canva, but they don't have rare footage um, and you can't buy it on sites like Shutterstock, it's not there. So I can't remember the name of the site off the top of my head. I think it might be like archive.org or something like that. Um, but there is a website and you might just have to have to Google it unless somebody in the chat knows it. Um, but there's a website where you can go and you can find things that have, where the copyright has fallen off, you know, things like that just due to time. Um, and you can, you know, use footage and songs and things like that. Some shady companies will still try to, you know, claim those sorts of things as well, even though they don't even have the original rights to them just because the copyright has fallen off and they're just shady. But um, 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 I think it might be archive.org, um, but I, I can't remember the specific website off the top of my head. Hopefully somebody in chat will be able to, to recommend it. But the whole thing is that it's exactly what you're looking for. The whole thing is like, you know, just old footage and old, you know, just old images and things like that of it's basically just historical things that um, that are no longer uh, copyright protected. So, uh, so I would definitely just hop on Google and look for that. But I, I for some reason, I want to say it's archive.org, but I, I'm not 100% sure if that's, um, if that's it or not. I, I wish I had the name off the top of my head for you, but I, but I don't, unfortunately. Um, so, here, so next up on our list, we got the Bunny Gathering. Bunny Gathering says that they do horror documentary exposure um, um, content. The goal of the channel is for personal entertainment. And the question is, how important are other social medias in connection to a channel's growth? What social medias are best to have? So you can do everything you need right here on YouTube without the need to have any other social media presence if you want. Um, I ran that for a really long time um, with a secondary of Twitter. So I like Twitter. I'm on Twitter all the time anyway. So therefore, I made sure that I have an account over there and I use it. You know, I'm on, I'm on Twitter every day. So, um, so when it comes to you, what I would think about is go into the, um, go into the, uh, you know, all the, all oh, that's the internet archive. Yeah. I, I don't think that's the one that I'm looking for. Um, but they, they might have some of that on there, but that's not the specific one that I'm looking for then. Um, if that's not it, uh, Chantel, thank you for, uh, for pulling that down though. But like when you are, um, um, when you are thinking about other social media channels, here's what you want to think about. Um, if you want to get results on YouTube, you have to learn how to get results on YouTube, right? So you can absolutely share your content out. Other people are going to be sharing your content out as it resonates with them and things like that. But at the end of the day, you got to learn how to get the response here in order to get the response here, right? So for long-term sustainability, you have to learn how to get results here on YouTube. From there, if you have a TikTok account, there's a lot of people that are thriving on TikTok and they are putting um, like a link to their YouTube channel in their bio. And again, this is another opportunity to mention TubeSpanner. We have that, you know, social bio link that you can use as part of your TubeSpanner account. But basically with the, um, uh, with the um, TikTok, like if you're doing well on TikTok, letting people know that you also have a YouTube channel is advantageous. Um, in fact, like TikTok, just because of you know, the things that I watch over there, I'm mainly just watching like, you know, uh, videos on like, you know, websites that I should know about. I'm sure you've all seen those and also, you know, stuff about music. So because of that, um, you know, I'm getting tons of recommendations through TikTok of, you know, things, you know, related to those. So what will happen is as soon as one of those content creators is like, oh, by the way, I have a YouTube channel. Make sure you follow me over there too. I'm on the, you know, for, for the ones that I get a lot of value out of, I'm like, oh, let me hit their bio. Let me go and, you know, hunt them down on YouTube or whatever, um, just because they mentioned it to where otherwise I wouldn't have even have known that they had a YouTube channel. And I definitely would not have put in the effort to try and find them because who knows if they have a channel or not. 
So because of that, just making sure that if you do start leveraging other platforms, that you do have some type of central place that you can be driving people, you know, back to. So that could be directly to your YouTube channel. You could have, you know, a social bio um, page to where, you know, you have links to all of your different social accounts. And then that way, the people that really dig your stuff, they can find you, you know, through everything that you're doing, those types of things. Um, but at the end of the day, when it comes to needing other social media accounts to grow your channel, no, you do not need that. Um, but things that can be helpful though, is if you have a YouTube channel, you're going to grow an audience here. Um, if you have a Twitter account that gives you one place where you can also have additional interactions with the people that are interested in the same things you are, the people that are watching your content. So for example, you know, like um, like me, in my case, I'll use Twitter to interact with, you know, people that watch my videos, but I'll also use it. Like if there's an update to YouTube or if there's, you know, something that's like something weird's going on and people are like, oh, hey, this thing's going on with YouTube, then I'll retweet it or like whatever to make sure that, you know, that you guys know about it. So make sure that you're following me on Twitter if you're not over there yet. But, um, but you know, you don't need that stuff. You can do everything that you need on YouTube. Songs from a suitcase in the house. What's going on? Hope that you're doing awesome. Says, what do you think about putting a small banner at the bottom of your TikTok clips with your external URL? I wonder if TikTok would know and push it back. Um, I'm not sure if they would do that. Um, they they could limit it because I know that they do have the ability to do that. I know like YouTube does that where you have like TikTok, you know, watermarks on them. Um, so does Instagram, I believe, where they kind of limit some of that stuff. But um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to um, um, putting that small banner on there, um, I would just do it, you know, just a quick verbal um, thing when you can, um, or just try to, you know, at any moment in the video, if you can just be like, oh, hey, by the way, you know, I'm on YouTube too, or something like that to try to, you know, spread that awareness or just in all of your videos, instead of even mentioning YouTube, just mention, hey, you know, I, I do, you know, other versions of this on other platforms. You can find links to that in my bio. Then um, that will at least drive people to your channel page on TikTok. And then they can, uh, you know, then they can click into wherever it is that you want to send them from there. Um, so, I mean, you can experiment, you know, you can experiment and see if um, if you get any type of limitation by putting like a, a burned in uh, URL on there. Um, but if you do that, make sure, um, just as a quick side tip for you, make sure that you bounce that off of your website. So don't use any type of like other like link shorteners or anything like that. Make sure you bounce it off your website first if you're gonna burn it into your video. And the reason for that is because let's say that you have a Bitly account and then you end up deciding not to continue on with your Bitly subscription. And therefore you end up, you know, those links would still work for you, but let's say something happens with them and they end up changing their link structure, something weird like that, then that leaves you with a video with a burned in link that if it ends up going well, that you wouldn't really be able to get any real benefit from. So just make sure that you're bouncing it off of your website first before it goes into, you know, anywhere that you're trying to send them. And by bouncing it off your website, uh, what I mean by that is um, I know that you have a website in your case specifically. Um, so what you can do is you can use, you can do it directly through HT Access, but if you want to um, track um, the clicks that you're actually generating there, then you can use an affiliate plugin on, if you use WordPress for your website, um, you can use an affiliate plugin for that. And then you'll be able to actually track the links that you're pulling from there also. Um, let's see here. So as we keep on going, we've got nice to see in the stream, by the way. So we've got through a glass darkly through a glass darkly says that they do military science fiction and fact meets the paranormal. And the goal of the channel is to build my brand as a writer and anthologist. And the question is, how should a new channel approach their first live stream, particularly if they have fewer than a thousand subscribers? Approach it like you're learning how to do it. 
So go in, give the best that you possibly can, but approach it like you're learning how to do it because you are. So because of that, don't be hard on yourself. Don't expect yourself to come into it and just, you know, like, you know, don't expect to come in and just be like, hey, I'm just going to go through this flawlessly and perfectly and all my tech is going to work perfectly. And I'm going to say all the right things at the right time and all that. Like, don't expect that. Strive for that, but don't expect it. Um, and the reason for that is because, again, it's something new, something you're going to, you know, go through a, a process of learning, especially, you know, with the tech involved and stuff like that, unless you're using something like StreamYard. Um, there's no, no real tech involved there, but, um, but the idea, um, so shoot me a message on Facebook. Um, and I will, um, I'll, 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 I'll let you know the, um, the, the plugin that I use, but, um, um, the thing that you want to make sure that you're thinking about though, when it comes to your first live stream is just keep in mind that, you know, that, you know, when you go live, it's a different experience than a piece of video content and everybody participating knows that. So like when you make a piece of video content, um, you know, you edit it and all that. And when people come in to watch it, they expect it to be, you know, kind of nice in some way, or at least to be polished, not polished, but it, there's some type of flow to it. When it comes to a live stream, you should still strive to get that, but people are a lot more tolerant. So if you mess up your words, you lose your train of thought, something goes wrong with your tech, your microphone gets turned off, or you have all kinds of weird problems like I do with my electricity, you know, whatever the thing is, you know, people are, are a lot more tolerant of that when it comes to live streams. So because of that, try not to build that wall in front of yourself that I was talking about earlier in terms of imagining all these different things that can go wrong. Instead, just be like, hey, I'm going to come into this. I'm going to get all the stuff together. I'm going to learn, you know, the like I'm going to learn how to use StreamYard. I'm going to make sure that I have all my stuff hooked up. I'm going to have some notes um, in terms of the things that I'm going to talk about so that I can make sure that I, you know, have some type of structure that I'm taking people through instead of just being like, oh, hey, everybody, hope that you're doing great today. We're just going to sit here and not say anything. Just kind of wait for people to show up. You don't want to do those types of things. I've actually got content. If you go to YouTube search bar and you type in StreamYard, um, one of the options you're gonna see is the StreamYard YouTube channel. Click into that. Um, if you go into their playlists, then you're going to see one playlist in there that is mostly just me. And it's all about live streaming to YouTube. And I've got hours and hours and hours worth of content in there about, you know, how to get more views on your live streams, how to, um, you know, get your live stream started, the things that you need to do when you first start live streaming, all that. I really encourage you to check that out if you are, you know, really wanting to get into live streaming. And it's all free. Um, it's just over, it's just available on a different channel than, uh, than the one you're watching right now. Next up on our list, we've got Hood and Bougie Beggins. Hood and Bougie Baggins says that they do vlogs, food, entertainment, and the goal of the channel is wanting viewers to be engaged into the family comedy and entertainment based around getting uh, great vegan eats. Question, currently at 172 subscribers and I'm looking for that increase that will help me to monetize my channel. That increase is going to come from you. It's gonna come from you making content that people respond to um, enough in terms of clicking on it and enjoying the content, getting to the end, subscribing, liking it, all that good stuff, but making content that's competitive enough that YouTube will give it more impressions. Because that's the, that's the game that we all play, is basically we publish videos based on how people respond to those videos, YouTube will show it to more people or they'll start showing it to less people. Like that's it. And if if they find that, you know, that this audience is responding well to it, then they're gonna show it to more people like them. If they find that this group over here, they're not responding as well to it, then in that case, they're gonna show it to less of those types of people and more to the types of people that are responding well to it. And then if they stop responding to it or they stop start responding less to it, then that's just gonna rinse and repeat until the system's like, hey, people just aren't responding to this compared to all of the other options of content we have to show them. So. 
the thing that we got to think about, and I mentioned this earlier, is that, you know, we are competing with everything on YouTube that our, that YouTube system thinks that our viewers that we're trying to reach might be interested in. So because of that, we have to make sure that everything that we're doing, that we're doing it at a level that's competitive for the platform. So, um, so like, as you're just getting started, like, that's cool. Like you're, you're on your way. You got 172 people to subscribe to your YouTube channel. You're doing great. Um, if you can get that many people, you have the proof of concept. So, you know, you can keep riding that, you know, until you decide to not do YouTube anymore. But the idea to accelerate things is to make sure you're theming the channel, make sure that you are paying attention to the content that performs well and the content that doesn't, make sure you're paying attention to your click-through rate, make sure you're paying attention to your click-through rate and the different traffic sources um, so you can see your click-through rate and your watch time from the different traffic sources, make sure that you're looking at your, your new and returning visitors so you can see how many people you're able to bring back to your channel, make sure that you're looking at how many people are completing your videos and how many people are clicking on your end screens once they get to the end of your videos, those sorts of things. I mean, I could sit here and just talk about that for the next, you know, two hours. But the idea is if you want to accelerate things, it's going to come down to your understanding of your audience, who it is you're trying to reach and what it is that you're doing um, so that you can, you know, best, you know, create the best possible experience for the people that you're trying to reach. Next. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. Next up, we've got Retro the, Imp the Emperor. Love names like that. That's like such an epic name. Says that they, uh, let's see, they've been uh, on YouTube for a year or more. They do music content. The goal of the channel says music. I express how I'm feeling and how I used to feel and my life stories in music and I want to make a living out of it. Question. Hey, Nick, I really like your content. You can freely use my music in your streams or anywhere. Some of them are copyrighted because of free beats and YouTube, but most of them are not. So hopefully you can use my music in your live streams and put music by Retro the Emperor um, or it will be honored. Uh, or uh, or on it, um, I'll be honored. So here's the thing. So what you just mentioned right here, um, and this is not you know an attack on you in any way, shape, or form, but this is just something that you should be mindful about. If you are going to be making your music available for other content creators, um, it's really important to make sure that you are not make that you're not doing anything that is copyrighted. So right here, one of the things you say is you can use my music um, anywhere. Some of them are copyrighted because of free beats in YouTube. So that means that you're downloading other people's beats on YouTube, and then maybe you're adding something to it, or maybe you're just re-uploading them to your channel and you're making them available. That's the that's one of the major problems that people have on YouTube when it comes to music, is a lot of people are doing what it is that you're doing there in terms of taking other people's music and then offering it as their own. And in a lot of cases, that music isn't even, um, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's copyrighted. So because of that, um, you know, I really recommend that you start making 100% original music if you want to let content creators use it in your videos. Because if you're not creating 100% original music, then you can run into, you, you, basically what you're doing is you're putting yourself in a position to where you're going to end up damaging content creators because they're going to be getting claims on their songs. In some cases, depending on where it is that you're getting the music from, things like that, they're going to end up, you know, getting strikes and you're actually going to be doing a disservice to content creators. So because of that, if you are going to be offering music, make sure that you're building it from the ground up as 100% original um, in order to make sure that you're not throwing content creators under the bus, so to speak, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the music. Next, we've got uh, Theme Park Blake. Theme Park Blake says they have a Theme Park channel. I think we answered one from Theme Park Blake here earlier, but we're going anyway. Um, the goal of the channel is to become a well-known roller coaster vlogger slash enthusiast. And the question is, is there ways to intrigue viewers into watching and subscribing? Absolutely. Understanding 
who it is that you're trying to reach with your content is the way that you intrigue viewers into watching your content. So when you understand the, okay, like if you're trying to become a well-known roller coaster vlogger or enthusiast, what you have to do is you have to start working all of that stuff backwards. So what you have to do is you have to think to yourself, okay, if I'm trying to become a well-known uh, uh, roller coaster vlogger and enthusiast, then who is it that I'm trying to become well-known to? Who is it that I want to know me? And out of those people that I want to know me, how is it that I can reach those people? And how is it that I can add value to those people in the, in the best possible way that I can? And then you want to start thinking, because that th those will end up being the topics of your videos. And then from there, you got to start thinking, okay, now these people that I'm trying to, you know, get to know me so that I can be a well-known, you know, uh, roller coaster vlogger and enthusiast, how in my thumbnails am I going to help them identify that this has something to do with roller coasters so that they can, you know, know that it's something that they care about, especially since YouTube is going to be recommending them other content that is also about roller coasters if they're into roller coaster content. So then you have to make sure that you're doing that. And then you have to think about, okay, if I am putting this content together, then what else can I do to this besides just making it identifiable to also make it compelling so that on a home page or in a mobile feed, when YouTube is recommending them like, hey, here's a roller coaster video, here's a roller coaster video, here's a roller coaster video. What can you add to your content that's gonna be compelling enough that's going to make them click on yours based on things that they care about compared to all of the other content that YouTube's gonna be showing them or all the other options that they have when it comes to roller coaster content. That's the, that's that's what you got to think about when it comes to you know getting people to actually watch the content. Is you have to make content to people you know that that's watchable. Um, and I'm not saying you're not doing this, but I'm just saying you know this is a rule that we all have to follow. We have to make content that's watchable. We have to make content about things that people are interested in, um, and then we have to make it identifiable from the outside so that they'll actually know that that content that they're interested in sits behind that one click that they have to make. <laughs> so uh, let's hear. So next up. Hey, I got your uh, message there, Doug. I will go into that tab right now. Uh, and while I'm refreshing that, the driver sensei says, Super Nick, track. how do live streams get C uh, CPR claim, uh, copyright claims um, if the artist is there performing live on their channel? How do they get permission to use while on your live? So what you can do is just because you have something playing doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to get like a claim or whatever. But if you have the permission, then it's probably gonna get a claim anyway, but the rights holder that you got the permission from, they'll be able to release that claim. So um, so because of that, it's not necessarily um, about like, hey, it's 100% not gonna get a claim on it. Um, it's more that if it does get a claim, it's not a big deal because we're gonna be able to get that claim released because we have the license to use this or we have the rights to use this because the actual person that makes it is right here. <laughs> and they also still own the rights to it because just because they made it doesn't also mean that they own the rights to it. They could have sold the rights to it, things like that. So as long as they still have ownership of it, then in that case, you know, you, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to worry about it, you know, as much. Um, let's see here. It still can be a concern though, especially if it's like, you know, like if they have it, you know, um, uh, like published as well, you know, you can, you, you know, you, like uh, that whole thing, it, it's definitely a minefield so to speak, uh, on YouTube. So, uh, let's see here. So broken justice. Thank you, um, again for the, um, for another super sticker, super appreciated. Um, and for another super sticker appreciated there too. And then, um, Frosher Josher says, what is a better, you know, I'm actually going to turn this one off because the storm has passed. So I, I had my phone here, like ready to rock and roll. So I'm just going to close that down. And then now the power is going to go out. So, uh, so Vrasher Shoster says, what is a better, um, what is better, a higher audience attendance percentage or a higher average view duration? Should I focus on making shorter vids with a higher percentage or longer vids with a higher average view duration? I make Minecraft videos. 
The answer to that is yes. <laughs> so of course, the total watch time that you're generating is important is be, is important because you YouTube is trying to get as much watch time per impression as possible. However, YouTube is also very focused on viewer satisfaction. And one of the ways that YouTube identifies viewer satisfaction is by how much of your video somebody's watches, which is the percentage. So because of that, if you have a 20 minute video, but a lot of people are still watching it, um, but it averages out to be like a lower, you know, percentage, you're still accumulating a lot of watch time and that video still might do great because they watched, you know, a decent amount of it. However, if people were to have watched a much larger percentage of that video, let's say, let's say you have a 10 minute video. We'll do this easy. Let's say you have a 10 minute video. And out of that 10 minute video, let's say that, no, we'll go 20 minutes just for fun. Let's say you have a 20 minute video. Out of that 20 minute video, let's say that you have, um, you know, a lot of people that are making it to the end. So you have like a, like a, I don't know, let's say like a 30% complete rate or something like that, which would be great for a 20 minute video. But let's say, um, you know, percentage viewed in terms of the average version of that. Um, let's say that you're hitting, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like, 50% or something. In that case, you know, in a 20 minute video, that would still be great because you'd be getting 10 minutes of watch time. But if you were to push that to like, you know, 60% of a 20 minute video, that video would blow up, right? Or not 60%, I'm sorry, like uh, like 70% or 80% of a 20 minute video, video would blow up, um, um, you know, as long as your click through rate was high, you know, and all that as well. But basically the idea is you wanna kind of balance out the two. So like if you're making videos and you find that people aren't, like you're making 10 minute videos and you're finding that you can't get people past five minutes, there's no reason to make a 10 minute video. But if you find that like, hey, I'm making a 10 minute video, I've got a, you know, like a 10, 15% click through, uh, complete rate, I'm trying to get it higher. Um, but you know, um, but you know, I, I think that I can, you know, push people to like, you know, further into, into what it is that I'm doing, then in that case, keep making 10 minute videos. But if you're like, you know what, I, I can't get people past three minutes, but I'm making 10 minute videos or 20 minute videos, then you're doing a lot of work that you don't need to do. And you should work on getting people to five minutes before you try to get people to 20. Um, so when it comes to, you know, um, average view duration or the total watch time that you're getting, um, both of them are extremely important. But another, another factor that I want you to keep in mind is another thing that happens is when you are, um, when a viewer is interacting with your content, if you have a five minute video or a 10 minute video and they get all the way to the end of your video, they get, you know, all like 90, you know, percent, whatever, until your end screens show up and then you get them to click into one of your end screens and they end up watching another video, that's also going to do wonders for that video if that happens at scale. So because of that, you know, that percentage viewed all of a sudden becomes a lot more important because you need to get that higher percentage viewed to get enough people to your end screen for enough people to be clicking on um, one of your end screen elements and watching one of your other videos for YouTube to see People are loving this video. They're making it all the way to the end and they're watching a whole other video. So the total watch time per impression from this video is actually substantially higher than it looks like when you're just looking at that one video view. So um, so you just wanna make sure that you're looking at it, you know, from, from that angle in terms of, you know, the, the, you know, how people are responding to your content. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, the total watch time or the higher, um, you know, percentage viewed, both are important. And you as the content creator, based on what you're currently seeing in your audience retention reports, need to balance out, um, you know, like how long your videos should be based on, you know, how far people are getting in your videos. Um, but keep in mind, you can have videos that do awesome with a low percentage viewed if like the click-through rate is high and the rest of the engagement is high and the videos you know of course is a little bit longer in that case too so you know it's really weird um because youtube you know they publicly say that they you know they're analyzing like 
billions of bits of data across the entire platform, you know, to help serve content to the right people. But out of that, you know, each video that they interact with, yours and mine, um, as they're interacting with that content, like they're literally, they're literally tracking every action that's happening on the page. And then they're using all of that information to figure out if it's a satisfactory experience for the viewer or not. And part of that big, heavy weighted things are your click through rate in terms of your ability to bring people into the video in the first place. And then of course your average percentage viewed and the total watch time that you're um, that you're getting from your videos. Great question though. Um, let's see here. So uh, Driver Sensei says, going great Nick, just traveling question. Is it bad to react to a controversial trending topics? Does YouTube now tend to deliver your original videos to those viewers that aren't interested causing stagnation? So what you wanna think about is when you are deciding the topics you wanna make for your videos, all you wanna do is run it through the filter of, is this a good fit for the people that I'm trying to reach, yes or no? That's it. If, if the answer is, is like, well, I don't, I'm probably not, or like, eh, I'm not really sure, then try to work on, try to come up with like an idea that would be a great fit for, you know, for the viewers that you're trying to reach. So then you're maximizing your potential for, uh, you know, for, for people responding positively to it and at getting in front of the right people. Um, so in terms of you saying, does YouTube now attempt to deliver your original videos to those viewers that aren't interested causing stagnation? Um, what happens is when people start interacting positively with your content, then YouTube will go into like, they'll, you know, for some of them, you know, based on topics and the videos that they're watching at that point in time, things like that, YouTube will show some of your new content to some of those people. They'll show some of your archive content to some of those people based on the things that you were talking about in that archive, in your archive, that would be relevant to the things that that viewer cares about, right? So that's the idea. And that's why it's so important to have a theme channel as well, because when you have a theme channel, then everything on your channel is a great fit for everybody that interacts with the channel, or at least a majority of the people that are interacting with it. Um, let's see here. So we got that one taken care of. And I think that brings us up to date there. And, uh, and then we'll hop back into the form right here in just a second. And really quick, Cryptoholic says, Nick, I found my logo being used by another YouTuber that's that my designer made for me, but it's not copyrighted. How do I claim it without the expensive trademark? Thanks. So if it was made for you and you have the original files to it, and, and I would do this research first too, just to make sure, and you are 100% certain that your designer didn't make one for them too, <laughs> and then make yours after theirs, um, then in that case, technically you can um, issue a DMCA for that because your graphic is copyright protected work. So technically, if you wanted to, you could submit a DMCA takedown notice because they are using your logo uh, without permission. Um, so you can do that. Um, keep in mind if they dispute it and all that stuff, like if you are going to do that, the thing with DMCAs is you gotta be willing to go to court over it in the event that they, you know, dispute it or whatever. So just keep that in mind um, also. Um, next up, we've got uh, Selhaven Snake Catchers says that um, the type of channel says, I show what I do for work and looking to branch out into more reptile related vlogs and interviews with other snake catchers. The goal is to educate and entertain people about snakes here in Australia. And the question is, I'm willing to change I'm going to change my name from the business name to something else a bit more about myself. The content isn't gonna change, but I wanna add a few more related videos that aren't exactly what my business is. Would you recommend changing the name or starting a separate channel? Um, what I would think about is if you're trying to reach people that are interested in watching videos about catching snakes, then I would just make sure that you're putting up content that is something to do you know, with things that in some what related to snakes. Um, if it's something that is not related to snakes, then in that case, I would I would probably put it on a different channel if it was me. Um, of course, 
course, you can experiment with it and see, you know, how your audience responds. But just keep in mind, if you put up something on your channel that is not themed or on theme or on brand for your channel, if it ends up doing well, it could end up causing you to drive your channel in a completely different direction, which may or may not be, you know, something that you would like or want to do. Uh, next up on our list, we've got poop scoops for noobs. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Okay, Poop Scoops for News says they do paste, uh, pet waste removal business. Okay. Um, the goal of the channel is to build a brand and provide tools and resources for other professional pooper scoopers. Got a funny story for you. Um, and the question is, what can I do to get more disciplined when it comes to my publishing schedule? I love creating content, but I spend too much time writing my script and juggling work and my family responsibilities. If you want to do it, you got to find a place to put it, right? You got to find a place to work it in. So when it comes to your publishing schedule, um, you say you love content creation, but you spend so much time writing your script. So what I recommend, if you love the creation process, but you're like, hey, um, I spent all this time writing a script and that's where your clog is or your bottleneck is, experiment with, okay, let me try making a video where I'm just using bullet points instead. That way, I don't have to spend all this time writing a script and I don't have to deliver everything perfectly based on the script. I'm going to have my topics that I'm gonna talk about during this video and I'm gonna hit a bullet point. I'm gonna talk about it, my natural language, and I'm gonna talk about it the way that I would normally talk about it with you know anybody else. And then I'm gonna move on to my next bullet point and talk about that. So that then that way, what I'm doing is I'm focusing my time on the creation process versus the preparation process um, for that particular video. So on the preparation side, of course, you vet the concept by looking around for you know things that people that are interested in the pooper scooper business would be interested in. And then you make content around that based on your experience but instead of spending all that time writing the script, you use bullet points instead so that you can spend less time on the on the actual scripting side and more time on the content creation side. So you're taking time out of the scripting, putting that time into the actual content creation itself. So there's one option. Another option, if you're having trouble saying, you know, with consistency is, um, is to batch create your content, which means when you do have pockets of time open that open up, try to make more than one piece of content in a setting. And then by doing that, it'll help you get ahead a little bit um, if you have the time to do that. Um, outside of that, you also have sacrifices. So, you know, as with anything, just like, you know, when you were starting your pooper scooper business, as an example, when you were starting that business, you know, in order to do that, you had to find time out of the other things that you were doing in your life, either your job or the other businesses that you had or whatever. And because of that, you had to carve out time in order to figure out, you know, the details of this particular business in order to, you know, figure out how to run ads for it or how to, you know, what, things in your area that you had to set up booths at in order to get in front of pet lovers or people with pets, you know, those types of things. So you had to carve out that time. So the same exact thing applies to your YouTube business. And the reason that it applies here is because if you want to do it, you have to be able to make the time in order to do it. So part of consistency when it comes to YouTube is a lot of people look at it like I, I need to be consistent for the sake of, you know, just constantly plugging content into the system. But on the other side of consistency, the reason that you want to be consistent is because it also forces you to build the process of creating content into your lifestyle. So if you, leveraging YouTube for your business is something that you plan to do for the future, then in that case, you have to work the process of creating content in your lifestyle. That means that you have to sacrifice, you know, an hour a day of Netflix or that you have to sacrifice, uh, you know, an hour a day doing something else in order to make sure that your marketing side of things in terms of your YouTube channel gets complete, then by all means, you know, get, do that. Um, another thing is you can also um, have help. 
So, you know, part of, you know, having your business is that, you know, in some cases, you know, you can have, you know, people help you with different aspects of your business. So one of those things could be that, hey, I'm going to, you know, reach out to somebody. I'm going to give them, I'm going to train them up on all the things, you know, required for my business. And I'm going to have them start writing up scripts for me. And then I'm just going to go through and spend my time instead of writing the full script, just fine tuning what it is that they're doing. And then, you know, go and make a video about that. So, you know, there's, there's different approaches that you can take, but um, at the end of the day, you know, you just, you have to prioritize it. Um, and another part of that is also, you know, when it comes to your, when it comes to your business, when you have clients and you're like, Hey, I have to be there on Tuesdays at three o'clock because that's when I committed to them. That's in my calendar. When I said that I was going to be there, you show up Tuesday at three o'clock. So the same exact thing applies to you in terms of like, Hey, Monday at three o'clock, I don't have any clients at that time. So because of that, I'm going to block off an hour here to work on my script or to work on my bullet points. Wednesday at two o'clock, I don't have any customers there. So while I'm sitting in the car and I'm and I'm waiting to go to my next job or I'm at a coffee shop waiting to go to my next job, I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna work on, you know, my script or my bullet points. And then as soon as I get home, um, I'm going to, you know, work on that content or maybe I'm gonna bring my camera with me. So while I'm out in the field, I can, you know, make videos. Um, so, you know, it's just kind of, you know, while I have those pockets of downtime. So it's just figuring out, you know, where to, where to insert it into what it is that you're doing. Um, let's see here. So the driver since says, hum, I hypothesize, Nick, are you the YouTube algorithm and do your glasses keep you in human form? They do. That's why I don't take them off that often. No, I'm just kidding. No, absolutely not. But they do keep me in human form. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Yeah. How we got here. Genealogy says, um, the tube spanner scripting tool can also save you time. Absolutely. It can. Thanks for the, um, thanks for the reminder there. Yeah. So tube spanner has like a full scripting tool. They, you know, will show you about how long it's going to take you to finish that portion of your script and things like that. Really awesome tool. So, um, so if you are scripting your videos, I also encourage you to check that out as well. Thanks for, uh, thanks for mentioning that. So next up on our list here, we've got, Backyard Reactions. Backyard Reactions says they do movie and TV trailer reactions. The goal of the channel is to become monetized. And the question is, I rebranded my channel to its current state from what used to be the political channel and I'm not growing. Should I start a new channel or just be patient and keep the rebrand to win? I currently have 431 subs. So you are making movie and TV trailer reaction content for people that subscribe to a political channel. I would make a new channel. If it was me, I would make a new, I would make a new channel for that. Technically, like you're far, you're like you're far enough along to where it like you could go in any direction right now. So technically you could just delete all those videos, those political videos off of your channel and just start making them about movie and TV reactions. And it's not going to be that big of a deal. But if it was me, I would be like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to start a, uh, I'm going to start another uh, channel. Doug says optimize for Nink. Nimmin, not a robot. <laughs> Nink, it's my new name, Nink. So, uh, so next up on the list, we've got Jay Amor. Jay Amor says that they've been on YouTube for a year or more. They do plus size fashion and lifestyle content. The goal of the channel is to inspire plus size women to grow their confidence regardless of where they are on their journey. I would also like to have a full-time income from YouTube. Question, I've also found, or sorry, I've found that content that does well monetarily is not necessarily the type of content that I enjoy making. It also isn't the content that performs well as far as metrics. How do I balance creating content that I enjoy versus content that generates revenue? Thanks so much. Okay, so um, this is one of those things where you have to make a choice. So when it comes to um, when it comes to you making content that you don't enjoy, 
Um, first, you got to analyze what it is that you're doing, because if you're making content you don't enjoy just for the sake of generating revenue, then in that case, you might, you know, you might want to consider making content about something else um, or trying to find just experimenting like crazy for the same audience, but experimenting like crazy with the content that you're making, trying to find something that generates more revenue. Um, but I'm not sure if you're talking about ad revenue or if you're talking about, you know, affiliate revenue or other things that you might have available, you know, um, outside of that. So because of that, I would experiment like crazy with different types of content, see if you can find anything um, that that does more. But if you're like, hey, um, I'm I am relying on ads, and since I'm relying on ads, um, I am going to continue to make content that I don't want for the sake of you know making sure that I get you know those higher you know ad rates or whatever, even though it's not performing well, even though you know all those things are happening. Um, instead of that, personally, here's what I think you should do. I think that you should focus on the content that you enjoy making that your audience also responds to, and then try to figure out how to work in affiliate messages um, and spread awareness to things as an affiliate through that, or focus now, think of it from the lens of short-term loss, long-term gain, focus now on having affiliate offers available, but you don't really, you're not really aggressive with them, but then you're really actively just trying to serve the audience as much as you can right now to grow the channel up and just accelerate your channel growth so that you can start reaching out um, and trying to get sponsorship opportunities. Um, and then that way you would be able to monetize through the sponsorship opportunities. You would enjoy making the content that you enjoy making, and then you'd be delivering the value to your audience that, that you're wanting to deliver there. And your audience will enjoy the content that, you know, that they are already enjoying on your channel. Um, that would be the approach um, that I would try to consider there for the sake of, uh, you know, for, for the sake of trying to kind of plug a few different holes <laughs> that you're, that you're dealing with there. Um, so you are, okay. So ad revenue is the way that you're generating income. Yeah. So in that case, just a heads up. So if you are actively bringing attention to things as an affiliate, so let's say, for example, you, um, in your case, cause you're going, you know, fashion and lifestyle stuff. So let's say that you are, um, uh, let's say that you have a, a video that you make about, um, websites where, you know, people can get, um, high quality plus size clothing. And these are your three best websites to get high quality plus size clothing. Then of course, those, there's a really good chance that those websites have some type of affiliate, um, uh, program set up. So what you want to do is you want to go and you want to find those ones that do have the affiliate program set up as long as it's one of the ones that you would recommend anyway. Um, and you can also do this. You can say, hey, these have an affiliate program, but I also love this store and they have great stuff. So I'm not going to have an affiliate program there because they don't even have one. So, but I'm still going to recommend them because it's a great thing for the audience. So then what you do is you go find those. And then instead of re relying 100% on the ad revenue, then you just deliver the content. And then you also let people know, by the way, I got links to these stores down in the description below. And if you click on them, you'll actually help support the channel. Actually, you don't want to say that, especially if you're sending people to like Amazon and things like that. But just say, um, you know, I got a link to, uh, to, 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 you know, these stores down in the description below and then have a little message down there letting them know that uh, it's an affiliate, uh, you know, link. And if you want to, you can say, if you do click on those links, you make a purchase, um, you know, I'll be getting a commission. So thanks for that. And then move on with, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. But um, um, just as a heads up, the reason I'm telling you to do this is because depending on the affiliate programs that you get involved with, um, you can make a lot more money with a lot less views in some cases, depending on what it is that you're promoting. So, um, so because of that, I would look at affiliate marketing as just one of those things that you can use to kind of compensate for some of that ad revenue. 
Um, let's see here, because because another thing that I just want to bring to your attention really quick is you say you've been making videos for a year or more. And, um, you know, part of the sustainability side of YouTube and just creating like a, a nice solid foundation is, you know, making content that you enjoy. And that sounds kind of like, you know, pie in the sky type of thing in terms of like, oh, wouldn't that be great, you know, type of thing. But in reality, you know, like sustainability, like if you want to do this for a long period of time, you got to do stuff that you like. Um, um, and sometimes to get to the stuff that you like, sometimes you have to wade through doing some stuff that you don't like to figure out that you don't like it. But then, you know, you got to find that stuff that you like if you want this to be a sustainable thing. Um, next up, okay, we did Joy Armor there already. So next up, we've got um, Taka. Taka says that they upload when they have time. They do gaming content. The goal of the channel is I want um, to be people's inspiration like Dan TDM was mine. Question, how do I get my videos to show up on their home pages? Um, make high response content. And I know that that's just an easy answer and, and, and there's no real context there. But when it comes to making high response content, what that means is you are accurately targeting the people that you're trying to reach topically with your content. You understand who it is that you're trying to reach so that you can target them properly. Um, you're making content topically about things that they that you know for a fact that they care about through research that you do, through your you know being embedded in the communities around the type of content that you make. Um, you're making thumbnails that help them identify that your content is something that they care about. You're getting them to click on it by also adding compelling elements to your thumbnail and or title. And then once they start watching your content, you just lather them or bathe them in value or entertainment or whatever it is that you are, you know, whatever the value is that you're delivering. Um, and you just rinse and repeat that process over and over again. And you use your analytics to fine tune that process based on the response that you see or based on how you see people are responding to what it is that you're doing. Everything on YouTube. This is the thing that we all, the elephant in the room that we all have to always know and acknowledge. Everything on YouTube is performance-based. If your videos perform well to the people you're trying to reach, they will perform well. If they do not respond well to them, then YouTube is going to instead show them other content from other channels, maybe even some other content on your channel, but other content that they think that viewer will respond to because they're not responding to yours. So, um, so just make sure that you keep that in mind. Um, Mr. Deep Sound is our next question here from the um, forum, and they do music uh, pr promotion slash label. The goal of the channel says, my channel started as a personal playlist transformed into a brand for some uh, releases, but mainly is focused on personal choices, um, like the way that it started. Question, I would like to get some tips since music channels are pretty much dead on monetization for the past two years. I still have faith to upload daily and share my music to the world, but sometimes I get really low views. Only on a few videos blow up after um, after months of uploading or even years. It's really hard to maintain high retention on all videos since the audience might like some tracks more than others. I'd like to have more people check out my uploads before they have the chance to blow up in views out of nowhere. Like let's say the first 24 hours of uploading something, I would like to have more people checking it out. Okay. So what you need to do if possible um, with the approach that you're taking to your YouTube channel, what you got to do if possible is if you can, because what you're wanting is you're wanting that surge when you first publish a piece of content. So one, it's going to come down to either the music being awesome itself, um, or two, it's going to come down to a personality of some kind being attached to the music. So what I mean by that is if you attach a personality to it and people start enjoying the personality, they start enjoying the content creator and their perspectives on everything and all of that, which it seems like that might be some of what you might be working on here. But um, if they connect with the content creator, then they're going to be much more likely to actually click on it and come in at the time of publish because they're a part of that 
that community. They enjoy that content creator as well as the music. Um, so because of that, one thing that I would experiment with if you're not doing this already is, is you know, adding personality type content to what it is that you're doing in terms of, you know, these are the reasons I think people, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, shouldn't, you know, get into, I mean, who's going to say who's going to get into what type of music? That's not a good example. <laughs> Let's say that, you know, your thing is, um, um, you know, these are, these are three, uh, you know, three music genres, um, that I just don't understand right? Then what you do when you add that personality to it is the people that also don't understand those genres, they'll be like, oh yeah, I totally get it. Totally resonate with everything it is that you're saying. Like, like you have that relatability then. And then the people that do understand those other ones are going to be like, oh yeah, this person um, just clearly isn't for me because, you know, they just don't even understand this whole other thing that I'm, you know, into or whatever, or they'll enjoy, you know, some of the stuff you do, but you'll, you'll start creating that line in terms of people being like, yeah, this person totally is, you know, similar to me in terms of their thought or their, you know, their not and then they'll go and watch somebody else for the ones that are not but you want to build that audience of people that are that are similar so that when you publish your videos that they you know come in and watch them quickly um let's see here also as a musician like if you're a musician you're uploading videos to youtube and you're trying to grow your channel um and that's the goal um you might want to try shorts um, like if you're like, hey, I'm making music and I just want to get my music out there and just kind of, you know, get more people involved. Um, because like when it comes to YouTube shorts, when it comes to TikTok um, as well, um, Instagram reels, like all those places right now, like there's a huge opportunity for anybody that's making, that's making music or doing anything that might otherwise be difficult to get people to, uh, to get people to click on, um, you know, like when it shows up on a homepage. So because of that, um, if you're not already, I would try working on some of the short form content as a way to just get in front of new audiences that might not have, you know, seen your stuff before so they can get familiar with your music. And then when it's presented to them on YouTube later, then they might click in and watch some of that content as well. So I think the thing that you need to, you know, like if I was in your shoes, the thing that I would be thinking about is like, okay, what type of content could I make that would be great for the short shelf that would introduce people to me and the music that I'm putting out. Um, and I would repurpose that content on the TikTok, Instagram reels and all that so I can get the attention there. I'd put links in my bio back to my YouTube channel or at least a link tree or a social bio link that, you know, has links to all the stuff that you're doing so that as people find you on all these different platforms, they have that central location that then they can go follow you in all the places that they are active on. Um, so uh, so that would be that would be the approach that I would recommend um hector hernandez fit says they upload when they have time they've been on youtube for less than six months the um, type of channels fitness and nutrition goal of the channel is to provide scientific fitness and nutrition information in a simple way and easy to apply to our day-to-day -day life the question hey i started my channel three years ago after posting six videos i started my phd and i didn't find the time to continue with youtube some of those videos hit 20,000 views and I'm currently at 3,000 subscribers with zero effort. Not proud, in parentheses. Now I want to start uploading frequently, but after three years, is my channel dead for the algorithm? Will it affect the performance of my videos? Should I start a new channel? Thank you. Greetings from Spain. So as long as you're uploading content that is still in alignment with the other content that's on the channel and the people that would have been reacting to it in the past, um, then in that case, do it on the same channel. But if you are like, hey, um, you know, what I'm gonna be uploading is gonna be something different than what it was that I was doing on this channel. It's not gonna be great. You know, even if I do have some of those people trickle back in, it's not gonna be great for them. Um, then in that case, that's where you would make the call to start a new channel for it. Um, let's see here, gonna refresh this page because I think I missed a couple here. Um, let's see here. So let me scroll up really quick. Oh, nice. Super chat. 
So hot miss um, history with T said what T said says. I'm giving you the, the applause for this one because I already know it's going to be good. Says, hey, Nick, across 90,000 subscribers this week. High five. This bump to you. Nice work. Says, I'm here every Saturday and I really appreciate your info. It's helped my channel a lot. I earn 6,000 to 10,000 per month, all from ad revenue. What is the next easiest revenue stream to pursue? Okay. It's a good question. So um, with the type of content that you have, if there are affiliate programs, making affiliate you know items available is definitely something you want to consider. Because of your rate of growth, um, I'm assuming that you probably have a pretty strong community right now. Um, so crowdfunding, um, like memberships, Patreon, um, you know, those types of things um, would definitely be something to consider in your case if you can think of an additional type of value that you can provide. Um, another thing that I would definitely do with the growth that you're currently having, as long as your view counts are also in alignment with the growth that you're having, um, is I would start reaching out to sponsors that would be a great fit for your content as well. So if the only way that you're currently advertising is ad revenue and you're doing six to 10,000 a month, um, um, if you can start getting in sponsorships and you can start getting in some affiliate items and some crowdfunding, you're going to make a substantial amount of money on YouTube um, or from your YouTube efforts. Um, so I would start implying or I would start implementing those things like, uh, I don't know, 89,000 subscribers ago. <laughs> but, you know, since you're doing them now, um, I would start I would start implementing those things right away, um, because once you start implementing those things, right out of the gate, you're going to start tracking and you're going to start seeing, you know, the numbers from all those different things rise. One thing that is really important for us as, you know, for our longevity as content creators, you know, for those of us that are, you know, kind of dependent on this stuff for, you know, for our income is that um, when it comes to monetizing, it's really important to make sure that you do diversify in as many different ways as possible. Because sometimes, um, you know, maybe you'll, your ad revenue will go down a little bit, but then you'll have other ways that you're monetizing that will pick up a little bit during that time. Maybe you'll have, you know, two different ways that you monetize that are down or three different ways that you monetize that are down for that quarter. But then you have, you know, two or three other things that are up for that quarter that, you know, that compensate for it or maybe go past what you normally do. So, you know, by diversifying through those things, it's going to help you um, you know, create a more stable income and it's going to help you get money faster. So then, you know, that way, like regardless of how long you spend on YouTube, you'll be able to fully capitalize on, you know, on the um, opportunity that you, that you have here for the um, duration of time that you're going to be doing it. Congratulations again. 90,000 subscribers is no joke. You're 10,000 away from the button club. So exciting. Love that. Absolutely love it. So uh, Driver Sensei says, uh, Mr. Nink Superwink, should I remove comments that are redundant and have no substance about the video? Does YouTube use comments to gauge the video's topic? So leave them there. So only take out comments that are not a good fit for your, you know, for the community. So like for me, if we have comments come in where people are, you know, abusive to others or abusive to me, that they're gone. Um, if we have comments where people come in and they are just being jerks about whatever, gone. If we have people... If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. If we have people come in and they and they're like, "Hey, I think differently and I think what you're saying is this that and the other thing and you know, I found that this that and the other thing whatever." That's just a conflicting opinion and it's not a big deal. We'll keep those. Don't care. Um, but for anybody that is, you know, trying to, you know, be problematic, the thing that I'm trying to do here is like, I'm trying to help content creators and I also want to have a positive community of content creators. So if there's content creators that are like super negative and they're like, you know, overly offensive and they're just like, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to 
get attention by being problematic. Like I don't even want them in the community in the first place. Like I don't, you know, I don't want to be interacting with them unless hopefully I'll be able to like, you know, flip them in some way. But um, at the end of the day, what I want is I want the people that I'm interacting with here, you know, in the live streams and in the comments and all that, I want them to also be positive people that are trying to make con uh, positive contributions in whatever way they are. So, you know, because of that, when it comes to, um, you know, the comment section, I would just think of it in terms of how does this comment relate to the community that I'm trying to build. And if it's just like a, hey, great video, then that case, that's, it's not negative. It's not, I mean, it is positive, but I mean, it's not something that's going to like, you know, go either way in terms of the community. But if somebody's in there and they start being like super negative about what it is that you're doing, then when you leave those comments, it opens that opportunity up for other people that are like that person to come in and also hop on that train and also start, you know, reinforcing the things that they're saying. So, you know, because of that, I would just think of it through the lens of one, what's the community that I'm trying to build? Because, you know, you do have a little bit of control there in terms of, you know, you can't control who's watching your videos, but in terms of who's interacting with them, you can because you can block people from the channel. Um, so you do have that option. Um, but in addition to that, you also want to think about like long term, like if I build up a community of people that are just like, you know, just super negative and you know, all of that, and just controversial and saying all kinds of horrible things to each other and to me and all that stuff in the in the comment section and bashing people and all that, then what's that going to look like when a sponsor, a future potential sponsor comes and they're looking at my channel and they're like, Hey, um, I want to come and I want to possibly, you know, sponsor this channel. Let's see what type of community they have going, going on. Wow, these people are toxic. We do not want our brand associated with a toxic community like this. Therefore, we're just gonna move on to somebody else. We're not even gonna send this person an email and let them know we're interested. However, if you have a positive community and you know everybody's like cool and you know all of that, then in that case, when the brand that's a perfect fit for your content goes and they research your community and they're down in your comments looking to see what's going on, they're gonna be like, wow, these people are really engaged. Um, they're positive. Um, it looks like, you know, everybody's having a great experience with this content creator. This is gonna be a perfect match for our brand because everything here is, is good. So it's gonna be a perfect match for our brand. So let's send them an email and see if they'd be interested in the sponsorship. So, you know, you wanna like, there's a lot, you know, like when it comes to all of these things, like there's so much involved in terms of just things that, you know, that if you really want to think it out and, and give yourself like the best possible, you know, uh, or the most possible opportunities, um, you know, you really got to, you know, think through all aspects of, you know, even the little things that people seem or might think is insignificant, like comment sections, for example, even those can make a, you know, can, can make an impact in ways that, you know, people aren't necessarily prepared for. <laughs> Other things, and you know, and, and I'll be fair, I didn't really think about this when D actually, my brother D who's in the chat right now, he actually brought this into my attention. But also when it comes to sponsorships, you know, things like that, the people in your community can also have an impact on that as well. So like, let's say you have people in your community, um, like let's say you have like, you know, like groups, um, you know, that are a part of your community and people are, are acting inappropriately there and you're engaged in that, that can also, you know, reflect poorly on you. And then therefore that can in the future end up costing you, you know, additional opportunities and things like that as well. So, you know, you gotta make sure you're keeping all these things in mind because, you know, you are like, as soon as you start put, making videos on YouTube, you're putting yourself out there into the public domain. So therefore first you gotta be ready for any, you know, anything that anybody's gonna say, you gotta be willing to take that. But then in addition, to that, you also have to be mindful that, hey, I'm in the public domain. And if I'm going to be, uh, you know, uh, possibly, you know, working with companies and things like that in the future, even building my own brand, I got to make sure that I am being somewhat intentional about how I'm building that community so that I can make sure that I am, you know, building the community that I want to have and that I can make sure that I'm building it in a way that's brand friendly um, so that down the road, um, you know, I can, I can also, you know, add value to brands. Next question. Let's get back into the form. So uh, next question that we have here. 
is from Mikezilla, Mikezilla, uh, 45. Mikezilla does content one time, one time per week or more. Um, they have a gaming channel. The goal of the channel, how many gamers are in here? If you're a gamer, just say me really quick. I love doing the gamer checks to, uh, to see, <laughs> love doing the gamer checks to see, uh, to see what's going on. But uh, um, the goal of the channel is to reach 5,000 subscribers or 500 subscribers and unlock the community tab. And the question is, what's the first thing that I, um, that I, what's the first thing do I have to do when I unlock the community tab on my channel? Okay, so we got a lot of gamers in here, love it. So when you unlock your community um, tab, the goal is to, uh, is to start using it to interact with your community. It's a community tab. So start dropping polls in there, start asking people questions, start showing people photos of other things related to, you know, like you um, or the content that you're making, start sharing videos in there, start sharing playlists in there. It's a great opportunity to bring people back to your YouTube channel and just get insights and to interact more with the people that are already interacting with your content. I actually have a whole video on my channel. If you look up, um, if you go to YouTube search and you look for Nick Nimmin community tab, um, then you should have a video pop up there that um, that has like a, it's like a full breakdown on just the different options, how to check for like engagement, you know, and things like that for the different things that you're doing. Autumn Hathaway is our next, um, is our next question here. Autumn Hathaway says that they do art and inspiration content. The goal of the channel is play button and beyond. Question is, hey Nick, thank you for your generous information. Um, I've been publishing shorts in between my long form videos. They seem to take away the stress from uploading regularly. And it's really helping my channel by staying in the mix. I'm continuing, um, I'm continually gaining subscribers and they're easy and quick to make and give me a sense of moving forward. That's a really important part of, uh, of YouTube shorts as well. Um, but I'm told that end screens don't work on shorts. So why would they offer the option to add an end screen? And what is the best way to end a short? Thanks. Best way to end a short is either to loop it um, or giving people some type of call to action, subscribe for more, follow for more, that type of thing. Um, that's how you want to end it. But when it comes to um, the end screen elements, um, YouTube actually says not to use those in your YouTube short. So technically, if, they, if your short ends up showing up somewhere else on the platform, then they would show up. But when it comes to the short shelf, um, they they don't they don't serve a purpose there, so don't even don't even worry about uh, don't even worry about using them there. Um, let's see here. So uh, you know, like how they have the end screens there, they do they do something similar with the tags. So with YouTube tags, YouTube says like, hey, don't even worry about you know the tags. Just put in misspellings and things like that because they they, they don't really work anymore which is funny that they don't work if they would still catch a misspelling. But anyway, um, um, the thing is they still make that box available. So the recommendation there is use tags until they take that box away. But when it comes to those end screens, like YouTube is specifically saying, like do not use end screens in your shorts. So because of that, don't use end screens in your shorts. Super chat. Uh, technology, like what you're doing there, says, um, how does one go from a RPM of $1.50 to something higher? Totally asking for a friend. They make funny tech videos. Um, so that will come from, um, it's the income generated on the, on the, you know, those videos. So basically it's gonna come down to the things that they're making topically. And it's gonna come down to the places that people are watching those videos from. And it's gonna come down to um, um, the um, ad inventory for those videos as well. So those are gonna be the main things that are gonna impact their CPMs. Now, when it comes to the RPMs, 
other things impact that. So if they live stream, then Super Chats are gonna impact that. Um, channel memberships, of course, impact that. Um, shopping is probably gonna impact that here soon. Um, we've got, uh, let's see here, what else? Super Thanks um, is also going to impact that like on a per video basis. So, um, so you know, those are the types of things that they need to start working on um, in terms of generating those things in order to raise the, the CPMs. But topically, what they can do right now for their CPMs is they can start going into their video content. They can go into their advanced analytics. Once they go into their advanced analytics or go into their analytics, click on the advanced mode text up in the top right-hand side if they're on a computer. Um, once they click into that, then they can go down into their sorting and they can click on CPM. And then once they click on CPM, then they'll be able to sort by the videos that have the highest CPM. And then they can start to chart topically, like what videos have the highest CPM. And out of those videos with the highest CPM, like what are they about? And then they can start to see, like when we make videos about these things, they typically generate higher, you know, higher ad rates. Um, another thing they can do as well, is when they're chaining content together um, or linking content together, or they're building a watch time trap essentially, then what they can do is they can make it to where, like if they if somebody's interacting with one video, as long as it's relevant and as long as it's a video that's proven to perform in terms of people, you know, watch that video and enjoy it and they can they can prove that through the engagement that they're getting and through the audience retention reports, then in that case, what they can do is, let's say they publish a video today and the, the video that they're recommending at the end of their video, they can recommend another video that is proven to have higher CPMs on it as well so that as people go in, then they start, you know, interacting with that. Um, another thing that can help bring up the RPM of a single video is um, if they do have videos that are over eight minutes long, then they can also add, you know, the additional ads to it as well. So, you know, they can have like the mid-roll ads, they can have the one at the end of the video and stuff like that as well, just to ensure that if somebody interacts with that content, they're seeing an ad somewhere. <laughs> so uh, so they can also do that to, uh, to raise it up. Driver Sensei says, it's not hate at all. It's supporters that get their viewers over to a video. They write awesome videos, support from so-and-so. I look at it from the future sponsors, seeing the same comment 94.7 times. So if it's somebody spamming your comments, trying to get your viewers to go over to their videos, then yeah, delete those. Absolutely delete those 100% of the time because they're not actually in your community for the sake of being in your community. It's probably a bot that is just hitting your comment section, trying to you know like promote a particular YouTuber. So even though a lot of people, they only know YouTube bots is like, you know, hey, they're, you know, the ones doing like crypto scams and things like that. But in reality, there's also bots that will go into comment sections and say things like, oh, hey, this is great. This is just like my favorite video from, and then they'll have like a name, you know, pop up there from a content creator, like little things like that. Um, so there's all kinds of weird things going on like that as well. So like if you get those types of comments, then yeah, make sure that you um, delete them and you can even ban them from the channel because they're not really adding uh, anything. We got rock climbing grandma here saying she eats spammers for lunch. <laughs> oh, love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Okay, so uh, let's see here. As we keep on going, the next question that we have, because um, we did this one already on the shorts, okay. So now we're on number 27 um, for the questions that we're getting through so far today. And this is from Her Real Review. Her Real Review says they do movie and TV reviews. And the goal of the channel is to educate moviegoers and TV viewers, um, critique movies and TV shows. And the question is, how do you know when it's time to lean on a smaller niche? I like a variety of things, but I'm not sure that's what my subscribers want. So, okay, so here's what's important to make sure that that we always remember. Um, I see the message, Doug, I'll check it right here in a second. Thank you. So here's something that um, that's important to remember. When we are publishing videos, all of us are interested in a bunch of different things. 
there's a there's a bunch of things that I could sit here and talk about right now. I could talk about travel because I like travel. It's fun. I could talk about music. I could talk about different things within music. Like I could talk about like I just got this hand pan recently. Um, it's like this big like metal drum with like these little like dents um, on it. And it, it's just a beautiful um, instrument in terms of how it sounds like it's ugly to look at, but it sounds beautiful. Um, but, you know, we could talk about that. We could talk about live streaming tech. Um, we could talk about, um, you know, Star Wars. We could talk about VR. Um, you know, we could talk about all kinds of different stuff. But my channel isn't about all the stuff that I'm into. My channel is about helping YouTube content creators navigate this platform and understand it. So because of that, the content that goes on the channel needs to be in alignment with the value that I'm intending with this channel. So in your case, what's important to do is to make sure that you're thinking about, okay, what's the content that I wanna make and I wanna make for a while and what's the thing that I wanna be known for? And then making content about that um, as it relates to the audience that you're trying to reach, which in, in your case is movie enthusiasts and people that are into TV shows. So because of that, what you have to think about is I, out of, I'm out of my life. I've got all these different things that I could talk about, but my channel is a resource for people that are interested in movie and TV reviews. So therefore, when I publish a piece of content to my channel, it's going to be something about movies or it's gonna be something about TV shows because the people that are interacting with my channel, they care about movies and they care about TV shows. That's it. So when you um, so when you are, you know, when you have all of the different things that you would like to talk about, just remember that you're building, you're built, think, imagine that you're making a TV station. Instead of a channel, imagine that you're making a TV station. Imagine we're going old school here. We're talking about TVs. So imagine you're making a TV station or radio station on old school there too. When you make that radio station or that TV station, you got to think about, okay, um, if I'm, if I'm going to make a, if I'm going to make a radio station, in that case, if I'm, if I'm trying to reach like a certain demographic of people, then I need to make sure that the music I have on that channel is music that that demographic of people would be likely to listen to. Right. If I'm making a TV station, then in that case, I'm going to be making shows that are going to be for a certain demographic so that if somebody watches 30 minutes of one show or an hour of one show and then we switch to another show, it's still going to be something that 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 those people are going to be likely to be interested in so that we can keep them here watching the show so we can keep serving them ads and all that stuff. YouTube is the same way. So when you theme your channel and you make videos for a specific type of viewer, specific audience, what you do is you create an entire resource of content that is targeted towards a certain type of viewer, which makes your your entire channel bingeable. And it also makes it crystal clear to YouTube based on how people are responding to your content, who is a good fit for your content, which helps improve their recommendations as well. So all the way around, when you theme your channel out, you win because it helps the viewers, it helps you perform better in the system, and it helps keep you on track in terms of like, okay, what do I make a video about? Do I make a video for my channel about Star Wars today? No. I make a video that's going to be something about YouTube so that I can help people, you know, with their YouTube channels, right? So you just have to run through, you have to run through that process. Technology says, uh, that was a very informative response. Um, thank you for that in case, uh, hold on. Thank you for that. Um, in that case, I make short videos, one to two minutes. Would it be ideal if I suddenly switch to those eight minute links as long as the content is still good? Absolutely. Yeah. Like you should experiment with it. Like if you're like, Hey, should I switch to making this type of content? 
if people are responding to like your one and two minute videos, that's cool. But um, but if you're like, hey, I would like to make a longer video and just see how people respond to that, by all means, try it. And you might find that people love your long videos way more than they like your short videos, but since you haven't made one yet, you don't know. <laughs> so that's where the experimentation side of things really comes into play and can really lead you down, you know, great paths. For example, you know, the channel you're watching right now with me. So, you know, a lot of you that haven't been here since day one, um, you know, you know me as like the YouTube guy, right? But when I first started this channel, I was making videos. I, I made some videos about how to come up with video ideas, um, how, to, how to come up with channel names, things like that. But I was also talking about other things that were also happening in my life or that I was relating to at that moment in time. Talking about how to stay focused, you know, when you're working at a coffee shop, um, you know, like those types of things. And when you, when, when I was, you know, starting here, what happened is I started making some videos about like, hey, I'm, I'm able to rank some videos in search and you know stuff like that. So I'm gonna make some videos about that and just kind of help people there. So, um, so I was making some videos about that. And then in the comments, people are like, hey, this is great. Can you make more videos like this? And I'm like, okay, so let me make some more videos like this. And I started making more videos like that. And then people started responding more. So I'm like, huh, this is cool. So let me just start making more of these. And then I started, you know, really focusing on, on YouTube, um, um, on the, on the, you know, uh, uh, the, the YouTube, you know, help side of things once I, you know, started walking down that road. But before that happened though, I had a big string of videos. Some of them related to YouTube. A lot of them weren't. Um, um, before I started, before I went and worked on another channel for like nine months, and then I came back here that's when I did the SEO videos that started, you know, that started performing well. And I started getting a lot of feedback on that led me to where we are, you know, right now in real time, having this conversation here um, during the stream. So, you know, those experiments and, you know, listening to the audience and the people that are interacting with your content and all of that, like it can really lead you into nice places as long as you are willing to experiment and you're willing to be open to like, hey, I'm going to run this experiment. People could love it, but they might also think it sucks. And you just have to be open to both sides of it. Like I'm doing that right now with the news thing that I have pinned to the top of the screen. It looks different. The value is different. What it is that I'm offering there is different. Um, and it's just an experiment. And so far it's turned out great, but we'll see how it ends up doing, you know, after, after a period of time. Um, THC Empire says, as a cannabis content creator, how can I grow? Um, so as a cannabis content creator, then what you have to do is you have to follow the same rules that the rest of us do. Um, the challenge that you're going to have is that some of your content, if not all of it, is going to end up being age-gated. So if you go to your channel and you look at your channel and your app, if you change it to restricted mode, um, and you can do this, just go into your settings of your YouTube app, and then you go and you look at your channel page, you'll see what content's available, what's open, and then what's restricted. So what you want to do is you want to start trying to uncover with your content, like what exactly do I have to say in the title, thumbnail or other metadata or even in the video content for it to end up getting restricted? And over time, you'll start to learn, okay, maybe if I talk about it in this way, that I'll be able to have this video open to a more broad audience compared to just talking about it this way. So for example, and I still do this. So the thing that we went through for the last two years, right? And we're still going through it, right? It's not over yet. But the thing that we went through for the last two years, for that entire two years, unless somebody else mentioned it on a live stream when I had somebody else on or something like that, I haven't mentioned the thing. I mentioned that thing that we've been going through or the thing we're dealing with right now or whatever, and that's my way of saying it, and you know what I'm talking about. That's the way of me saying it without me actually saying it. So if you can find those types of triggers within your content to where it's like, hey, when I talk about these things or when I mention these specific things, it causes my content to get restricted, then try to find fun ways. And technically, with what it is that you're doing, you could probably even use, that you could probably even leverage some of this for your branding, but start talking about the things that you're talking about in a way that it's clear but then you're doing it in a way that's a little bit 
unclear in terms of a robot reading it and having like a clear understanding of what it is that you're doing. So that's one way to do it because you need that understanding. So they show you to the right people, but then you also want to make sure that you're not doing it in a way that ends up causing your content to get restricted, right? So that's the kind of the balance or the game that you're trying to play. But in addition to that, everything else is going to like all the other rules that you have to play by is the same as everybody else, the same as all of us. So you got to make content that people click on at a high rate. They watch that content for a high rate. They complete it. Um, they click on your end screens. They watch it more there. They engage in the videos. They're subscribing or liking, commenting, all those things. Like you got to play, you know, by the rules and do all those things also. But, um, but at the end of the day, what you want to do is you want to start figuring out who it is that you're targeting, you know, with your type of content, figure out who it is. Like, am I, am I targeting people that are like, you know, just starting? Am I targeting people that have been, you know, using for a while? Am I, am I talking about strains? Am I talking about the tools used, you know, to, to, to use it, whatever? Am I talking about cooking it? Am I talking about, you know, like figuring out exactly, you know, who it is that you're serving and what they might be interested in um, and just doubling down on that while trying to figure out the, the, the things that get the content restricted or not um, would be the, would be the approach to take for that. Danielle cutting the caboose. Super chat. Thank you for the super sticker. Says zookeepers add some excitement for visitors by running around with a rifle and asking them if they saw which way it went. For adding drama, rip your clothes and add some fake blood. Tell you what, you seriously need a coffee table book. That would be hilarious. Just like a coffee table book of all of these. You know what? Because you've been dropping those here in these live streams, Danielle. You've been dropping these in those live streams for 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 years. Like you could probably just go through, like have somebody go through and just like find all of those. I mean, actually I could probably just give them to you. My, I could probably just search for them, but, uh, and then just like give you a whole stack of them. And you could probably just turn that into like a, like a print on demand or something for Amazon. That'd be epic. Um, the 86th street project says, and thank you for that, by the way, says, um, I like fitness, but my channel is about helping line cooks. So I bridge that by making fitness tips that will specifically benefit cooks and chefs. That's cool. Definitely cool. So as long as, yeah, as long as you can get them to clearly identify it's for them on the outside, that's going to be, a, that's going to be a win. Um, but one thing that might be a little bit challenging, if you make a video, like, um, for example, like, uh, you know, like how to strengthen your core, then in that case, you know, like basically what you're, what you're dependent on there is you're dependent on not only cooks and chefs, but cooks and chefs that are interested in fitness and then cooks and chefs that are interested in strengthening their core specifically with weak cores. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, you might be going a little bit too far down the rabbit hole there, but definitely worth, you know, riding for a little bit and seeing how people respond to it. But I think the challenge you're going to have is from the outside, making it clear that it's for cooks and chefs and not just the general person trying to, uh, improve their fitness. Um, let's see here. Okay. So let's go jump back into the, uh, form here. And I think, oh, here we go. One more. No Super tomorrow track. says just created a new channel. Hold on one second. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. One, two, three, four and a half. There we go. So no tomorrow says, I just created a new channel. Do you have time for one, um, one-on-one -on -one five minute call with us in the future? Also, should we stick to one specific type of content, cinematic versus personality, or is it okay to alternate? Um, the type of content is okay to, to alternate, but what you want to do is you want to think about it through the lens of, I'm creating a resource for a certain type of viewer, so therefore I want to understand or I want to have at least a loose idea of who it is that I'm trying to reach with my content. Um, and then from there, you use that to make sure that you're making topics that are in alignment with the audience that you're trying to reach or build. Um, and then you start experimenting with cinematic 
versus just like raw personality stuff to see what it is that they respond to best and make sure that you are doing the things that you enjoy. And then as long as you are doing the things that you enjoy, once you figure out what they enjoy the most, then you can start doubling down on that and start doing more of that and then doing less of the other stuff they don't enjoy as much. And then you can experiment with that stuff that they don't enjoy as much again in the future if you want to, um, you know, like once you pick up some momentum, but to get everything moving and get everything off the ground, um, first get clear on who it is that you're trying to reach to. As you're putting your content together, make sure that you're thinking about your thumbnails and titles first when you're thinking topically so that you can make sure that you can accurately reach the people that you're trying to reach or more, you know, be more the most likely based on how you're gonna be packaging your videos up. And by packaging, I mean topic, title, and thumbnail of your video. Um, and then of course, from there, start you know using your um, audience retention reports and your other analytics to get a really good understanding of how people are responding to your content once they come in and start interacting with it. But in terms of me, right now, I'm not offering that service. But um, if you want to go to danielbatal.com, D-A-N-I-E-L-B-A-T-A-L.com, he's offering that service. And I know uh, Roberto Blake, um, he also offers that service as well. If you go to awesomecreatoracademy.com, um, then you can, um, I see your message, Doug. I'll get it right here in a second. Thank you. Um, if you go to um, awesomecreatoracademy.com, that's Roberto Blake. He can also get you sorted there. He has um, like one-on-ones that he does. He also has like group programs that he does as well. Um, either one of those guys will get you uh, will get you sorted. And Chantel just dropped links in here, um, so so you'll be good to go. Uh, you'll be good to go there. So um, let's see here. So it looks like I missed a uh, super chat. So give me one second. Let me go in here and uh, and update this. So I'm looking for the star. Okay, rolling with the Robsons. I apologize super for uh, for uh, for missing the uh, super chat there. Says Niche Caravan, original uh, reviews, fixing, make amendments, advice. Then we have changed to more travel caravan vlog. New stuff doesn't do well. New channel question mark. Um, yeah, you might want to consider that. So basically, if the um, if your niche is caravan and you were originally doing reviews and fixing stuff and things like that, then you now you're just traveling around in it. Then basically you took basically you're making travel content for people that are interested in like, you know, building it and, you know, all of that stuff. So because of that, um, I would continue with the building stuff on your main channel or on that channel, as long as you're, you know, doing well with that channel. Um, and then I would do the travel content on another channel. That's what I would do. Um, let's see here. And then, um, the driver sensei says, Nick, my lady, um, just Charnette asked what type of content did he do before focusing on YouTube growth and techniques? I think she knew you before me. Um, so I had, uh, a channel called all our questions. It's still, it's still there. You can, you can go and look for it. Sometimes I'll share videos in there, in my community feed around holidays. Cause I made some holiday content. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, um, it's called all our OUR questions. Basically, I started my channel, so just a quick, you know, backstory on me. So I started my YouTube channel um, and I was going with that for a while. And then I had the opportunity to submit a video to somebody that knew what they were doing. And I submitted a video and they saw my video and they hit me up and they're like, wow, you know, um, uh, I'd like to work with you in some way, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, cool, let's do this. And we came up with an idea for another channel that I actually already had in my brain. Um, it just, you know, gave me the opportunity to actually see it through. Um, and, you know, through their guidance, you know, we got that channel moving, you know, really quick, like right out of the gate. And, um, and then from there, I was making so much con basically I overcommitted in terms of what I was doing over there and it just, my timing was off. So if I would have 
made that commitment that I made a little bit later in terms of my upload schedule, it would have been easier for me to handle. But with everything that was going on at that point in my life, um, I was I was going too hard on YouTube while needing to do other things as well, um, like a lot of you are doing right now. And what ended up happening is I just burned out to where I was working pretty much from the time that I woke up to the time I went to bed um, in some capacity. And because of that, you know, it just got me to a point to where I was just like, you know, like I, I something's gonna give somewhere. <laughs> so, uh, so because of that, I decided to step away from that channel build a website for this channel um, so that I could start offering services directly off of it, which I did for a while build a store off of this channel um, so that I could also send people to that store. Um, and then later I ended up making like a membership for that store, which all that's still there, um, by the way, with the exception of the services side that's gone now. Um, but basically all of that helped me go full time relatively quickly so that I could spend less time on the other things or you know didn't have to focus on them at all. And then I could go all in on everything that was going on on YouTube and literally everything from that moment that I was doing was something related to YouTube. And, um, and that helped me just fully immerse myself in, um, in this to where my day consisted of like, wake up, start thinking about YouTube related stuff. So I was still thinking about like customers and things like that on the service side. Cause I was making like, uh, I was making graphic packs. So what I was doing is I was making um, like uh, branding packs for YouTube. So I was doing like channel art, um, lower thirds, in-screen templates, um, you know, things like that. And I would basically sell them as, as custom packages. So it would be like, you know, people, like I started selling, them, I think I was super cheap at the, at the beginning. I think they were like 200 bucks um, for, for a package at the beginning. But then by the time I closed it all down, they got up to like 500 bucks a package, which is pretty cool. Um, because it would literally take me, like once I had the templates built, it would literally take me like, you know, maybe an hour to go in there and just kind of customize everything up. So it was, a, it was a sweet, you know, sweet deal. Um, but then I ended up, you know, kind of taking that service down, just focusing on, you know, on, on the store and the membership, which kind of help absorb the, um, the, 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 the income that I was getting from the custom designs, the membership side helped me, you know, absorb, um, absorb that or replace that, I should say. Um, let's see here. So next up on the list, we're going to hop back into the form for this one. So we have number 29. We've got uh, Cryptoholics. Cryptoholics. We might have answered this one already. Okay, no, we didn't. Um, okay, so they've got the goal of the channel is 10,000 subscribers. The um, question is, my channel seemed to come to a sudden stop at 5,300 subscribers. Any suggestions? But I do understand that my channel moves at the market as well as any suggestions. So absolutely. So with your type of content, um, of course, any of the hype stuff, you know, like, oh, it's finally over or it's over, like, oh, it's never gonna recover, you know, like that type of stuff, the clickbaity stuff, people respond to that in your space. So, you know, even though that might not be exactly how you wanna represent yourself, people do respond to it. So just keep that in mind. Um, in terms of the interest in what it is that you're doing, sure, it does, you know, go up and down when things are just, you know, blowing up in the crypto world. Then of course, you know, people are more interested in that topic. So they're gonna be, more people are gonna be on YouTube looking for information about it. But when it's down and everybody's afraid of it, then, you know, there's gonna be a less people that are interested in it. So because of that, serve the community that you have, add as much value to them as you possibly can. And when things go back up, then, you know, you'll be prepared for that and you'll be well positioned to, you know, to, to fully, you know, ride that out as, you know, as it starts climbing again. Um, let's see here. So next up, we've got Nathan Espinoza. Nathan Espinoza says they do tech and lifestyle content. The goal of the channel is to make purpose-driven content that connects with my viewers. Love that. Um, the question is, I just uploaded a video that I know 100% will perform well, but I uploaded it on a brand new channel. How long does it typically take for the algorithm to find the right audience? Um, it can happen at the time of publish. 
So YouTube system is smart enough to know what your video is about because they read it. Um, they watch it, essentially, the system does. Not they, it's not like, you know, hey, this is Bob over at YouTube watching your stuff and figuring out where to put it. It's, you know, it's all automated. But basically the system is is anything you say in the video, anything you're showing in the video, their system is is looking at it and it's, and it's essentially like listening or watching it. And they do auto captions. And when it does the auto captions, that's where they're getting like the real context into what the video is about. So when you are publishing your video, when you see that it's going through that processing, you know, when you upload it, one, it's encoding, you know, it's, it's encoding it for different devices and things like that, different resolutions, but it's also um, captioning your videos. And it's also basically just gathering information on, okay, video uploaded to YouTube, who on the platform right now is a great fit for this. And that's it. So when you are uploading your video, so right now you said, you know, 100% it'll perform well. So what you gotta do now is you uploaded it on a brand new channel, go and look and see if you've gotten any impressions. If you've gotten impressions, then YouTube is already showing it to people. So even though the video might be awesome, if they're showing it to people, but you're not getting any views on it yet, then the problem could be that you just need to repackage it better. So that may, that means you might need to update your thumbnail, your title, you know, something about it from the outside. Um, but if the video, if you're 100% certain um, that it would perform well and it's not, then in that case, you know, it's, it's probably gonna come down to you not getting people to click on it. Or if you go into your audience retention reports, you also might see that maybe people aren't responding to it, you know, as well as you thought they would, which that happens sometimes to all of us. So it's not a big deal if that happens. But um, it's not, a, I mean, it's, it is a big deal, like something we should take a note of, but, um, but it's, you know, like that sort of thing, it's just normal. Um, but when you are thinking of it in terms of like, you know, how long does it take for the algorithm to find the right audience? There's been channels um, that have, you know, gotten over a hundred thousand subscribers just on like two or three videos. So like, you know, you, that information comes, you know, relatively quickly. You'll hear people say, you know, that it takes the system 30 videos or 50 videos or like whatever, it's not true. Like when you are publishing content, if it's good content and people respond to it, um, then, then, you know, is if you're publishing videos, people respond well to it, then it'll start getting views. Um, it might not be tons of views, like it might start, it might do like a, you know, a little bit of views and then YouTube will test it later and then it'll get a lot more things like that can happen as well. But at the end of the day, if you publish a video, people respond to it well, then, then YouTube's going to keep showing it to more people. Um, they're not going to just shut it off just because it's on a new channel, right? Um, let's see here. So next up on the list, we've got Luigi Oliveria. Oliveria, I think is how you say that. I apologize if I'm saying that incorrectly. Um, they do funny content. The goal of the channel is to get 4,000 watch hours. And the question is, I want Nick to subscribe and he needs to help my channel. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna go ahead and skip, uh, gonna go ahead and skip that one. Um, the next one is same wavelength and they do daily content. The channel is a 24 seven live stream. It's an information channel. It says, hey Nick, good day. I've been following your live stream every Saturday. I'd like to ask, how do you handle trolls if you have any and your advice to us as new content creators? So we talked about this earlier in the stream, but just in case you stepped away for it, just really quick, I'll just go over again really quick. Um, on YouTube, we have the option to use our blocked words list, which is inside of our channel settings, um, to where you can add words or phrases that people commonly use that either you don't want them to use. You can add obscenities there. Um, you can also add things that people specifically say to you to where you're like, wow, that wasn't cool. And you can just copy it and paste it and put it right in there. 
Then if somebody else says it, um, if that word's in there, then YouTube will automatically put it in the held for review and it will be removed from public view. In addition to that, if you find somebody's trolling you, you can click on the three dot menu next to their name in the comment section and you can choose hide user from channel. And then that way they can still watch your videos. They can still comment or scream into the void as Chantel mentioned, um, they can still scream into the void, um, but nobody's gonna see it because uh, because it's just gonna be them that's gonna be able to see it. So um, so those are some things that you can do in that in that scenario. But keep in mind, you know, as all of us, you know, as content creators, by putting ourselves out there, we open ourselves up to that, you know, because we're taking the risk of, you know, we're like, hey, we're going to put ourselves out there. And, you know, there's going to be people that are going to say stuff about, bad about us. There's going to be people that'll think poorly of us. There'll be, there'll be people that will attack our personal appearance or whatever the thing is. Um, and that's just part of the gig, you know, like you'll, you see that in like, uh, you know, in like all aspects of media where like a news person, They'll have people that love them. They have people that hate them. Politicians have people that love them, have people that hate them. Religious leaders have people that love them, have people that hate them, even within the same, you know, faiths and all that. Um, you have content creators, YouTubers. Some people love them, some people hate them. You have TV stars. Some people love them, some people hate them. It's, it's just the nature of the thing. So, um, so just because of that, just know that when you start putting yourself out there, you might run into trolls, you might run into haters, you might run into people that will say disrespectful things. So you just have to put on that shield of armor, so to speak, and um, and just use the tools that are available to limit the amount of you know that stuff happening. Um, let's see here. <laughs> Keisha Q says, I, 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 I uh, see, I love Nick. He's always um, upbeat. Um, he probably gets off YouTube and has to go take a deep breath and then reload. <laughs> yeah, once these streams are done, basically what I do is I have a chair right over here. You used to be able to see it a little bit from when I had the camera coming back here, looking over this way. But um, but I have a chair over here and usually I'll just go, I'll, I'll go and I'll turn everything off and then I'll just go and I'll just kind of like sit there for a little bit and I'll just kind of like relax and just kind of get myself together. In some cases I might meditate for like five or 10 minutes or whatever, just to kind of, you know, clear my brain out a little bit. Um, and then, you know, I'll go on about my, I'll go on about my night. Cause usually by the time I finish these streams, you know, it'll be like 11 PM locally, sometimes 12 PM locally. So, uh, so, so, uh, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's late here. Um, let's see here. So urban van life says they don't even get any trolls. That's good. That's good. That's good. You will. You don't get any trolls yet. You'll get them. You'll get them. So, uh, let's see here. Thomas's daily report says they do educational content. The goal of the channel is education. The question is, can an educational channel be funny and family child friendly? And most importantly, is it easy? So the first thing is an educational channel. Absolutely. can be funny. We call that edutainment. So edutainment is where you are educating people, but you're doing it in a fun way. So fun can be just where you're inserting jokes here and there. You're adding a little bit of personality here and there, or you can go like high level entertainment um, in terms of like what um, uh, Ed over at Film Booth is doing, where, you know, he's making entire like, you know, epic videos um, trying to explain a concept through the examples that he's giving in his videos. He does a great job at it. Um, and uh, in his case, you know, he's doing, you know, edutainment content as well. So um, in terms of that side of things, absolutely. Um, it's actually better if you do that. Um, in terms of uh, it being easy, none of this stuff is easy. So if it was easy, everybody would have humongous channels on YouTube. Um, it's actually a pretty difficult thing. So it's a process, but it's a difficult process. And the reason it's difficult is because there are things that you need to know how to do um, in order to be able to sustain it. So for example, when you first start doing this, um, you may or may not have ever made a graphic before in your life. <laughs> but now all of a sudden you got to start making thumbnails unless you're doing YouTube shorts. Um, you may not have ever tried to compel somebody to take some type of action through in written form before. 
but now as a YouTuber, now you gotta learn how to do it. You might not have ever put together something, a video outside of like family videos or something you might share with a friend. You might not have ever needed to put together a video before that is 100% reliant on how strangers respond to it, right? So when you first come onto YouTube, learning how to do all these things, it's, it, it, you know, it, it's not easy, but it's, it, it is a process. So it's a process of skill development. It's a process of understanding those two things. Skill development, understanding or developing, you know, that understanding. So on the skill development side, you got to learn how to, you know, um, communicate in an engaging way. You got to learn how to, uh, you know, um, learn how to communicate visually through graphics, thumbnails, imagery. You got to learn how to communicate through written form in terms of, you know, short written form like titles and compel people to click on what it is that you're doing or at least be informative in some way. Um, on the understanding side of things, you have to get an understanding of who it is that you're trying to reach with your content unless you just stumble into that. You got to get an understanding of who it is that you're trying to reach with your content. You got to get an understanding of the things that they care about the most. You got to get an understanding of the things that they don't care about. So you don't make content about that. You have to get an understanding of uh, at least a rough understanding of how the system works in terms of YouTube. So in terms of like the coding behind the algorithm, like nobody knows that, but in terms of like, okay, in a nutshell, YouTube, it, like I'll, I'll break the whole thing down for you in, in the most easy to understand way that, that and, 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 and this is what you need to know, but there's a lot of complexities within this, but there are a lot of nuance within what I'm getting ready to say. In a nutshell, YouTube is, is everything is based on performance, right? So if people respond well to your content, then YouTube's gonna show it to more people. If they don't, then they're gonna show it to less people. The, it, within your niche, the people that, that have people respond to their content at the highest rate, those are the ones that are going to be at the top of the niche. And the people that have their content responded to at the lowest rate are they gonna be the people that are gonna be at the bottom of the niche. Um, if you have a few videos take off on your YouTube channel, that's all you need. In some cases, it'll take you one video that will give you 100,000 subscribers in some cases, but you gotta keep making content until you get to that video, right? Um, another thing is that, and I mentioned this earlier as well, is that the algorithm follows the audience. So you're not competing with the robot, you're not competing with other YouTube channels, you're competing with your own ability to resonate in visually and through written form and through audible form and through your actual video content, you're competing with your ability to resonate with the people that you're trying to reach with your content. That's it, that's your only real competition because that's the only thing that you can control. So when it comes to YouTube, you gotta think performance-based in terms of how people respond, that's what our analytics is for. And you gotta think of understanding, you know, the people that you're trying to reach and you have to understand, and, you, and part of the understanding is knowing that you are making content for people, not for, not, for the, not for the computer system that runs YouTube, right? The artificial intelligence that runs YouTube. That's YouTube in a nutshell. Make great videos make great thumbnails, titles, or make great shorts, get people to respond, you'll do well. If you can't, you won't, that's it. And if you, if you, if you, if you hit a point in your YouTube journey to where you think like, hey, I know all this stuff, I don't need to try to get any better, then you're just gonna come to a grinding halt. If you constantly on your YouTube journey are like, you know what? I've gotten to 100,000 subscribers. I know I, I made it. I made I made it to 100,000 subscribers. I know how to you know make content for my audience. I know how to do all that. If you're still like, you know what? 
but let me keep analyzing channels. Let me keep trying to get better. Let me keep trying. I can get my audience retention to like, you know, 45% um, of a, you know, 15 minute video or a 10 minute video. I got to Let's see if I can just push it to 60. Let's see if I can push it to 50. Let's see if I can push it to 55, right? Like you got to keep, you know, you got to keep, you know, trying to move yourself forward because the second you get comfortable, then, 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 then it's, you're starting that walk down the hill, so to speak. Um, let's see here. So next up on the list, we got Zio Zay, um, I think is how you say that. They have a gaming channel. Goal of the channel is monetization in the future and to gain more coins for life. Nice. Like the approach there, looking at YouTube like a game. Question. I've started lately and I know that I can't blow up with three videos right now. Technically you could, um, but I'm worried about the language I choose for my videos. My English lacks and I'm worried that it'll be chasing my viewers and potential subscribers away. But within the English speakers is more chances to impress someone. Um, it's possible to grow a channel with different language that is not our own, or would I be wiser to go with my native language? Maybe you can advise people on choosing language to go with. Okay. So you want to make sure that you have a good enough command of English that people can easily understand you. As long as you have that, then you can go after the English market and it's fine. Keep in mind, some people will find interest in you not speaking perfect English, but it still needs to be at a level to where people can understand. So some great examples for this. Peter Lingram um, is uh, one channel. His English isn't perfect, but it's enough to where he understands English enough to where he can communicate clearly in his videos and he'll even like catch himself. He'll be saying something and then like as he's saying it, he'll forget the English word for it and he'll stop and he'll be like, ah, oh, the English word, uh, uh, and, and then he'll find it and then he'll like say whatever the thing is. Um, so like he kind of makes a novelty out of not being, you know, 100% fluent. So, you know, when it comes to that, you also have, um, I can't remember the science channel, but there was like a Russian channel a long time ago um, that people just loved just because he's doing all this like crazy stuff. But like in his case too, it wasn't like his language wasn't there but it was enough to where he could communicate what was going on, but the theatrics of everything else that he was doing was so much that it put the language in like a secondary, you know, thing. <laughs> so when it comes to your language, it can be a limitation, but it can also be something that, you know, that connects um, connects people to you as well. So if, you're, if your fluency isn't quite there yet, then you might wanna try learning YouTube in your native language. So then when you do come into the English market that you are at least more familiar with how the system works and how to get results and things like that. So when you come in, you don't use your language as an excuse for not performing well. Because what's really easy to do is it's really easy to say, well, the reason my videos aren't doing good is because I don't speak good English. But it could be that your English is good enough, but that you just can't get people to click on your thumbnails or that you're putting videos together that just aren't good yet. So, you know, it could be things like that. But if you but if you come into it without already knowing what works on YouTube and what doesn't or just how to get a response, then right out of the gate, you might just default to it being your language when it might be some other problem that you need to fix. That's what I'm getting at. Um, let's see here. So next up on our list here, we've got, uh, you know, we're actually going to, we're going to pull, I'm going to do this one. And then we're going to pull some from, from the, um, from the, from the chat here in just a minute, but we got, uh, Brianna, Mary LPN, Marie LPN says, I make content about a nurse being a nurse and a mom. And the goal of the channel is to build a community of nurses, parents, and be able to work from home so I can spend more time with my kids. The question, is it too late to jump on the shorts train? 
I've heard it's the best way to grow right now because YouTube is competing with TikTok, but I feel my content can't be turned into shorts. I love your channel. Thanks for reading. So um, hopping on the shorts train. So that's a good question. So when it comes to YouTube shorts, YouTube shorts is a good way to get in front of newer people, um, new people that, you know, haven't experienced your content before. Um, it's good for getting in front of them. But the problem is if, is if you also want to do long form content, because you're still going to need to be able to learn how to get people to click and you know, do all the things involved with that. So when it comes to YouTube shorts, the gold rush, so to speak, isn't there like it used to be, but good content is good content. So if you are putting out long form videos and it's good content and people respond well, it'll do well. If you put out shorts, it's good content. People respond well to it. Great example. If you look at my channel, I've got two shorts. One of them has 56,000 views. The other one's got like almost 6,000 views. One of them is just a really quick tip. Hey, this is how you, you know, pay attention. It's like, uh, you know, um, like how to find your click through rate per traffic source. Really quick, super valuable tip, especially for people that don't, don't even know that information's there. That's a content creator. Tons of value out of that one. Good response. 56,000 views. The Alexa video that I did, and I, I blew that one. I'll be honest. I, I should have put more time and effort into that, but I was like, oh, this will be funny. Let me just make it and put it up and see how people like it. But I could have made it so much better. I might actually remake that video. But anyway, the Alexa one is about if Alexa was a YouTuber. So it's funny, all of that, but it's not like the pacing is slow. And like, I just, I, I, I failed at that video and I'll, I'll own that. So like I, I, what I should have done with that particular short is I should have made it to where like when it first starts, I'm like zooming into Alexa and I've got words popping up on the screen and she's saying the different things, speed up her voice a little bit, maybe. You know, like I could have made it way better, but I didn't. Um, and that's my fault. So when it comes to shorts, the same exact rules apply though. Like, you know, the gold rush isn't there in terms of like, hey, there's nobody on shorts. So when I publish a short, I'm just gonna like go to the moon. Now there's a lot of people on shorts, um, but there's still a ton of viewership. I think it's like uh, 1.5 billion short views um, is what they're getting right now on shorts, which is huge. So there's still a huge audience there. Um, it's just, it's a lot more competitive now. So if you want to make shorts and you think shorts are a good fit for what it is that you're doing and for the audience that you're trying to reach and go for it, um, or at least, you know, just experiment with some and see how people see how people respond to it. But if long-term, if you're like, hey, I want to, you know, get the most out of this mon from the monetization side, currently for YouTube shorts, you have the YouTube shorts fund and that's it. Um, they're working on, you know, ads that they'll be showing later. They're working on, um, they're supposed to be testing later this year. Um, they're supposed to be testing super thanks, um, in YouTube shorts and sure that'll generate some, but it's not going to be like, you know, massively dependable. I'm, I'm going to imagine, but, um, but you know, the idea is to, uh, you know, to, to think of it from that perspective too, because you said one of the things is that you want to work from home so you can spend time with your family and kids shorts right now are not that path. Um, they might be part of it if you have shorts as part of what it is that you're doing so you can position yourself well so when all the monetization options are there you already have an archive of shorts that it can be applied to but you also need to mix in some longer form content so you can start monetizing it in different ways now so that you can accelerate your ability to to, to work for home and spend more time with your kids d says that uh that it's because i suck for that alexa video absolutely yeah it is you know like uh if i didn't suck when i was making that video i would have made it better but I didn't, and I took like the suck version of myself was like, ah, let's just put this up, this will be funny, instead of like the awesome version of myself saying like, yeah, but we can do this better. Let's just, you know, slow it down a little bit and, you know, work on the actual video and make it actually a good video instead of like trying to hurry and get it up. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So uh, Doug said that I missed a super chat. Let me go in here and do that really quick. 
So I'm looking for the star and it looks like, boom, big time. Love the channel name. So hey Nick, a couple months back, you gave me some great advice on, um, on Reddit on my new channel, Big Time. I took it to heart and have had great growth since. I just wanted to say thank you. High five and fist bump to you. Awesome to see that transition from giving advice on Reddit to you coming up here in the um, in the chat and hanging out. So welcome to the stream. Um, if this is your first time here, and I'm glad that you know that that advice uh, you know resonated with you. And and more importantly, you know, because I you know like I'll do that on Twitter, I'll do it on Reddit, you know, on Facebook stuff like that. But a lot of people don't take the advice. Um, a lot of people will just kind of you know be like, oh yeah, whatever. But um, but it's awesome that you are just like, hey, this is somebody that's trying to you know just give me some information that I might be able to use. So let me just take it and, and just run with it and actually do something with it. And you did, and you're getting results from it. So high five, this bump to you for the action that you're taking, because that is what, you know, that's what makes things happen more than anything else is just that, that brute action. You know what I mean? So, uh, so thank you for the super chat and thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, hanging out in the stream today. So um, let's see here. So next up, we are going to hop into the chat for a lightning round. So here's how this lightning round goes down. If you have a question, um, what you gotta do is you gotta put a Q in front of your question. Um, and when you put that Q, that's gonna help me identify that it's for me and not a side conversation. So it's 100% required that you have a Q in front of your question so that I know it's for me. So if you got a question about what it is you're doing on YouTube, Doug Houston just posted a uh, lightning round in here. You can see it right here on the screen. So what I'm gonna do is the questions that come in underneath that is what I'm going to, uh, what it is I'm gonna start with. So if you have a question, go ahead and drop it in here right now. And I'm gonna start with the ones underneath Doug's lightning round. So the very first one here is from Crazy Kids 949 says, my views go up every day, but the hours watched goes down, why? Great question. The reason this is happening is because your watch time is on a rotating thing. So basically, as you move through time, as long as you're hitting that like 365, well, actually, no, we'll, we'll break it down to this. If you're looking in your analytics, the default view of your YouTube analytics is 28 days. So since the default view of your YouTube analytics is 28 days, you're only seeing the watch time accumulated on that 28 days. Since it's a rolling thing or a rolling metric, then what happens is the watch time that you generated 29 days ago falls off as the watch time that you're generating today um, comes on. So because of that, you're gonna see differences in your watch time as you go through. If you wanna look at your total watch time, then you're gonna need to adjust the date range to see what you've accumulated totally, but you can adjust the date range in your analytics to look at information like that through different um, time ranges so that you can you know, just get a better understanding of how you're performing over time or in total. Great question. Um, let's see here. Let me scroll up because I just jumped down like really far. Um, okay. Um, Aprons and Frances Stem Stem says it's a good idea to repurpose one YouTube live session into four shorter, four shorter specific videos instead of doing timestamps on a longer live. Yeah. So when you're doing live streaming, if your goal is to grow the YouTube channel with your live streams, being intentional about the parts you're going to be clipping out. So like when you're putting the con the information together for your live stream saying, I'm going to clip this out, I'm going to clip this out and clip this out. Therefore, I'm going to make sure that I, you know, set it up in this way for my hook. And then I lead them into the content. So it's basically like you're recording a video live. Um, then in that case, you cut out those, those clips. So then they become less of a commitment to introduce someone to you. So for people that are already interacting with your content, they might be fine with your one hour streams. 
But for new people, an hour is a pretty big commitment to ask of someone who has never interacted with your content before. So people will do it, but if you give them smaller bite sizes of content, it's less of a commitment of time on their part to introduce them to you and to see what it is that you have so that hopefully you'll be able to win them into your longer form content if they even wanna watch the long form content at all because they might just get the value that they need from the short form content. So I would absolutely experiment with that. Um, let's see here, are there colors that work for thumbnails? Um, there are, um, and those colors are any color, but you wanna make sure that you are just thinking of, you know, the audience that you're trying to reach. You wanna make sure that you're thinking of like what the content's about and, and how the colors that you're using can help somebody identify the content. So for example, if you're making like health and wellness content, then in that case, using like blues in some cases or using like, you know, earth tones, things like that can be, you know, a good theme for that type of um, channel that can simply just help people recognize that it's like that type of content. Um, so, you know, when it comes to color, one thing that I recommend that you do is just experiment, you know, with different things. So TubeBuddy has a tool, it's an A-B testing tool um, for thumbnails. It's part of their higher tier package, their legend package. So you wanna make sure that your YouTube channel is making some money before you, you know, pay for that. Um, or you're just like really committed to, to understanding, but you wanna make sure that you have enough view counts coming in to make the data that you're getting back statistically significant um, or else, you know, it's, it's not gonna do much for you. But basically what you, what you can do within your own content is you can experiment with colors. But, you know, these things are fun because like, for example, I um, did a community poll asking people if they uh, used more dark mode or light mode on YouTube. And um, in that particular case, I had, you know, the, the dark mode fam, you know, was, was representing hard. So because of that, I'm like, okay, let's, let's, let's experiment with my thumbnails um, on, you know, prioritizing dark mode since the people that responded, that engaged with that community post, um, you know, they, they mostly use dark mode and it was like a staggering amount too. So I was like, okay, since that's the case, then instead of trying to think of my thumbnails from like a default view, then what I'm gonna do is I'm going to, of course, look at them there too, but I'm also going to make sure that I am, um, that I'm being really mindful about how the dark, uh, how they look in the dark mode in terms of standing out, because I wanna make sure that the, all those people that said that they use dark mode in the community post, I wanna make sure that they're gonna stick out for them. Um, let's see here. So next up we've got, uh, let's see, looking for those cues. Um, my first time passing, um, my first time posting a short scared me because I had a much higher dislike ratio. I'm assuming it's because I reached a larger audience. Yeah. It could be that you reached a larger audience. Um, it could be that just, you know, the people that YouTube happened to show that too, they just didn't, you know, respond well to it. I mean, it could be that too, but, um, you know, when it comes to that, you know, higher dislike ratio, um, you know, that like, I would definitely take that as like, okay, if people didn't like this. I wonder why. And I would start trying to analyze that. Um, Brianna Marie says, um, should I make whole other channel for shorts? No, I wouldn't do that. Um, Normal Mode TV says, um, should I lean into videos that take off or stick to my plan and incorporate over time? Um, so as long as you are making content for, as long as you're making content that you enjoy and you're making content that is a good fit for the people that you're trying to reach, then as long as that's in alignment with the videos that are taking off, then I would lean in that direction. Um, if you do have a very clear plan and a very specific goal that you're trying to reach and there's very specific content that you need to make in order for that to happen, then of course you, you'd want to stay the course on your plan in order to make sure that happens because sometimes... A, a, a high performing video can lead people off of that path because it's like, hey, I've got these vanity metrics now, like this video performed well, I've got a lot of subscribers on this video, I got a lot of views on this video, so I wanna make more of that so I can get more of that. But at the end of the day, sometimes you can make, like let's say for example, 
if your goal is to make money, then in that case, in some cases, you can make a lot more money with lower views promoting the right things compared to like just ad revenue with a lot of views on it. So like when you are putting your uh, you know plan in motion, so to speak, and you're deciding like, hey, should I follow this video that's taken off or should I stick to my plan and you know in order to reach my goals that I'm trying to accomplish, whatever those are, then in that case, I would just try to think of, is there any way that I can align these videos that are taken off with what it is that I'm trying to accomplish? Any way that I can build a bridge between them. Ben Reader says, how long do I wait before changing thumbnails and titles? So what you wanna do is on your YouTube channel, you wanna go through your content, you wanna start looking at your content. Um, YouTube shows you historical information on your videos in terms of your click-through rate after certain time durations. Um, and what you wanna start doing is you wanna start looking for the amount of impressions that you get after certain periods of time and what your click-through rate looks like there on high-performing content. And then you wanna start using that as your baseline in terms of my videos that perform well after this many impressions. If my click-through rate is roughly this, then my videos you know, will typically do okay as long as my view durations are you know, okay and all that. So because of that, if I hit this certain amount of impressions and my thumb nails way lower, my click-through rate is way low, um, for the traffic sources that I'm trying to target, then in that case, I need to, you know, make that change. And that change, that could happen, depending on how fast you're getting views and how fast you're getting impressions, that could happen in a couple of hours, um, or that could happen, you know, in a, in like a week, depending on, you know, what's going on with your channel. So, um, so I would go through historically, and first I would identify what good, um, or high performing looks like on the channel that you're, the content that you currently have. And then I would start looking at the time and then the impressions. So for example, if it's in 48 hours and you know, your video has like, uh, let's say, you know, like, uh, I, I'm not sure like how big your channel is yet or, or the progress that you're making. So we'll just say for the sake of it, 10,000 impressions. And typically when you have 10,000 impressions, you have like a 9% click through rate, you know, at that point in time, um, after 48 hours, if it's got about that many impressions. So therefore, if you hit 48 hours, and you're like, man, I got like a four percent click through rate on this coming from, you know, home pages. And normally I'm like way better there Then in that case. That's where you'd want to make that call on, on updating it. Um, should I make a different logos for different channels? Uh, yeah, that'd probably be a good idea unless you're trying to theme them together in some way. Like, um, for example, like if you look at some of the music channels like Trap Nation, people like that, they have like, you know, Rap Nation, Trap Nation, uh, they call it like the nation, but they got like Rap Nation, Trap Nation, Lo-Fi Nation, you know, all those things to where they'll have like a similar logo, but it's just got like a slightly different, you know, twist to it. The Slow Pass says, I haven't been uploading consistently because COVID long haulers, See, I said the word. Um, should I address this? Some say not to address personal issues. You can address personal issues. Here's the thing. That's all a personal choice. So so I actually have this kind of, this thing with, um, with personal issues on the internet. So sharing personal issues that, okay, some people will connect to you at, with, at, at a deeper level because you share personal issues. Like some people will go as far as to make a video and they're sitting there crying or their vlog and they're sitting there crying talking about like all this stuff and and all of that and you know people are like oh my gosh that's so you know so, i'm so sorry to hear you're going through that blah blah but it creates this like super connection between the people that are watching and that person but on the other side of that you got to think to yourself like okay is this like how i want to present myself to the world um in terms of you know sharing you know things like that um in some cases you know people are like yeah totally i just want to you know just totally take off the veil and just show everybody everything that's like going on and then other people like myself i'm like you know what i'll share the things that you know that that would matter to the people that are watching i'll share the things that you know might maybe help somebody else in their you know journey or whatever but you know things that are that are just happening in my life like i i, I don't share that publicly i'm not one of those people 
that posts on Facebook for every move that I make. I'm not somebody that's posting on, you know, on Facebook or making stories about like, oh, hey, here I am at this coffee shop and I'm doing this thing and blah, blah, or hey, I'm having this problem and so on and so forth. Or, you know, hey, I'm doing awesome. You know, you should check this out. Hey, go look at this or, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm not that person, um, but I do publish things, you know, on the YouTube in terms of, you know, like content like this and con, you know, videos that help people out. And in some of those videos I might talk about, or these live streams I might talk about burnout, you know, those types of things that I've dealt with. But, um, but when it comes to just like, Hey, I'm having this other unrelated problem in my life and I'm going to also burden you with it. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that personally, but some people like that's their jam. So, you know, for some people that's just being transparent and just letting the full human out. Um, for me, I think there's, you know, times and places for that. And I'm just not, you know, the USA is a dumpster fire, which it is by the way, but the USA is a dumpster fire. This comment right here, that's the channel name. They say I've followed, uh, I've unfollowed some creators for sharing too much. I'm the same way. Like, um, like on Facebook, for example, I have a lot of friends because, you know, like I'm, I'm, um, I'm embedded heavily in like the marketing world and part of, you know, marketing, especially when you're doing like the personal brand thing, um, especially when it comes to, like Facebook and things like that people overshare. So people are like, you know, hey, I have to post every day about something. So because of that, they're posting their successes, they're posting their failures, they're posting these struggles, they're posting drama, they're posting like everything they can possibly think of. And some of it is designed to frame them in a certain way so that when people see it, it's like, oh yeah, they're doing great. So they can help me out, you know, whatever. And then other things are, you know, made for the sake of like, oh, hey, I need to garner, you know, sympathy or whatever the thing is. But it's like, you know, either way, you know, they have their reasons for doing that and that's cool, but I will unfollow them because I don't want to see that stuff in my feed because, you know, that's just not, that's just not the thing, right? So when it comes to that, in my opinion, um, that just comes down to, you know, how you want to represent yourself publicly and, you know, and, and the information that you want people to know, like saying that you had it or saying that you had long haul, whatever, that, that's one thing. But like making an entire video about it and then explaining yourself and then making it like, oh, I haven't been able to upload because of this and blah, blah, blah. The one thing that I promise you is that the people that are interacting with your content, they would much more appreciate a video that would add value to them in some way that they typically come to you for way more than they would appreciate a video of you just explaining why you haven't been doing the thing that, that they're expecting you to do, right? So because of that, in that case, if it was me, um, I would just skip it and I would just, you know, make the content, uh, make the content that they want. Paul Jamison says, how do I connect my Shopify store to my channel? I have 6,000 subs, thanks. So what you need to do is you need to go into your monetization settings. Um, in your monetization settings, you are going to see an option um, that says shopping. You wanna click into that. And then once you click into that, you're gonna have an option. You should see, if you have a merch shelf already, then underneath that merch shelf, you should see a little bit of uh, like a short message that says something about connecting to your Shopify. Click on that, it's gonna take you over to shop. Excuse me, it's gonna take you over to Shopify and then you can, you know, go through the process of connecting over there. Um, I've ran into issues with it so far. I'm actually in the process of, so I was on the, a call with my partner manager the other day and um, and um, we're actually in the process. I have to send them some information and then they're gonna help me try to get it figured out. But basically I'm running into some issue somewhere to where like the domain isn't being recognized enough to where it's like syncing things properly. Um, so it seems to be a little bit problematic because it's happening to me and a few other people as well that, that and that's just people that we know. So I'm sure it's happening to a lot more people also. So you might run into some problems to so just be ready to, to hop on support with Shopify and Google and all that stuff. Um, but basically you'll find that option in your monetization settings. All right. So, um, on that note, um, I do want to say 
Thank you everybody for hanging out today. Um, I hope that you um, got some good information out of this stream. If you are somebody that's using TubeSpanner to take notes on this stream, just as a reminder, you can download those to your computer or later, if you come back to this live stream and you open up your notes, you're gonna see your notes and you're gonna see all the timestamps. So you can just jump right to the part in the live stream that, um, that, you, know, that you took that note on. So I just wanna remind you of that. Um, but in addition to that, um, I just want to remind you also, if you are, getting started with this. And I know a lot of you, you know, you're getting started, you're trying to get these, you know, first initial milestones. If you're just getting started, I know we talked about a lot of stuff during this live stream. And I know in some cases, because there is so much to do that it can seem overwhelming. Um, what I encourage you to do is just pick like a thing or two that you're like, you know what, I can work on that and, and try to figure that out or try to, you know, apply that to my channel or whatever. Like um, try to work on that over this next week so that you can, you know, just get an understanding of that thing. And then I'll see you here next week. And then we can, you know, work on, you know, more stuff that you can do to, you know, get better results on what it is that you're doing on YouTube, or at least, you know, kind of accelerate things for you. So thank you so much for hanging out. I've got links down in the description to Creator Mix, to StreamYard, to TubeBuddy, to TubeSpanner, to all kinds of different things that'll help you with your YouTube channel and just your YouTube journey. So I encourage you to check out the description on your way out so you can just see the things available down there and just, you know, check out the ones that, that you know, resonate with you. For example, if you're not live streaming, then you probably wouldn't check out StreamYard, but if you are live streaming, then you would, right? So just check out those links, anything that resonates, you know, cool, check it out. Um, and um, I will see you next Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern. Have a awesome rest of your weekend. Stay safe out there. And um, thank you for watching and I will see you next time.